Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Manolo making his 27th start of the year. 160 in the third innings, 4.49 earned run average and 165 strikeouts this year and over 1,545 for his career. Swing and a miss. Second strikeout for Aaron. What a baby's got some bite on it today. It sure does. He continues with that. You see the grip right there, that knuckle curve, and that is a really good one. Swing and a miss. That's number nine. Aaron Nola moves it to a tie for fifth place all time in Philly's history with that strikeout. Swing and a miss. He got a 95, a little gas, and the Phillies have swept out the Cardinals. He's a good pitcher. Um, he's been a good pitcher for quite some time, and he gives everybody trouble. But uh, mixed well, stayed away, made his pitches, located, didn't give in. He was pretty stubborn about where he wanted to miss, and he uh, did well. That was Ollie Marmel after the game yesterday. That audio courtesy of the Phillies TV network alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm, Bra- I'm Brandon Kiley. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm it's Ron Burgundy. And Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It is good to have Alex back in the saddle. And he does so as we saw the future Cardinals oh. ace on the mound yesterday against our beloved Cardinals lineup. Alex, I'm going to let you have the first word on this. Normally, I give you my two, three, maybe four-minute spiel on what we saw over the weekend. Uh Uh-uh, not today. Alex, what would you like about what we saw from Nola yesterday? I just find it fitting that I take a week off to just, you know, reset my my attitude and brain working with you guys for so long. And I come back the day after Aaron Nola pitches a gem against the Cardinals. Somebody planned that correctly for the Cardinals. The future ace was in action for St. Louis over the weekend. Now, here's what I love about him. One, you know exactly what he's going to give you. Seven or more innings of work. What did he do yesterday, BK? Seven innings. The other thing he's going to do, he is going to pitch with a little bit of pissed off attitude. How many strikeouts did he have yesterday, uh, BK? He had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Keep going on. nine of them. Nine strikeouts. And I forgot against this powerful Cardinals offense that really is so consistent from start to finish. You know it's going to be dominant. Oh, bleep on how, man. how many hits did they <laughs> have yesterday? Here, one. <laughs> a lot of them. Bleep Bleeping. Let, let me see. Let me see if I can find one. Oh, yeah. good, good. They got on base twice, my man. Oh, okay, good. Hey, over the last two days, five times. Look at this. Five times they got on base. Look at this. Here's the thing. They with even the, scored a run. Uh, oh, my God. 
One. Oh, just Total. one. Just one run. Not against Aaron Nola, though. Nope. That was Not against Wheeler. Aaron Nola. The he's, dog. he's the worst out of the group of them. Here's the thing with Aaron Nola. It's very evident, and he was the guy that I've been picking every time we talk about the offseason desires. I don't care that you're paying for past history. I don't care that he's going to be 31 years old. What I do care about is every single game, whether he gets lit up or whether he doesn't, he's going to give you six or more innings. And what does this Cardinals team desperately need for their rotation? Somebody who is consistent. And that performance against your team over the weekend proved why Aaron Nola should be the number one guy. Aaron Nola has started 27 games so far this season. Mm. How many times do you mm. think he has gone at least six innings out of 27 appearances? I'm going to go. Year? He's got 18. 23. Oh. 20. Oh, 20 starts of at least six innings this year. And this is not one of those things. I know that people on the text line will be like, yeah, but Ollie would never allow him to do that. I, well, if he was here, Ollie would take him the out of the floor. Analytics, yeah. man. I thought Ollie would have pulled oh, him out of the floor. You I know how many times word. he's thrown more than 100 pitches this season? More than 100 pitches. How many times? How many times? I'll go, Has he thrown more than 100 pitches? It's got to be 20 plus since he's done it. Well, he only threw 93, 95, so I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with 20. I'll say 21. Nine. Nine oh. times he's thrown oh. more than 100 pitches. You know why? Because he's efficient. The guy gets people out. He is a professional out-getter. That is what Aaron Nola is. It doesn't sound like a real title. It is. <laughs> it sounds like the title I came up with when I was in fifth grade. What's your job title? The I'm assistant to the manager. Outgetter. Yeah. yeah, the Dwight Troop. <laughs> assistant to the general manager. Congrats. That is what Aaron Nola's job is. And when he goes out there, he's going to give you six plus innings. Yeah, there have been appearances this year where he's given you six innings and four earned runs. Guess what that does for you, Alex? It keeps you in the ball game. It's not ideal. It's not a like legit ace the way that some of the pitchers are that we're going to talk about going into the offseason. Hell, the guy that's on the mound tonight for the Padres against the Cardinals. That dude's going to go five innings. He's going to strike out like 12 batters and he's going to give up one earned run. It's super sexy. It's a little bit different than what you see from Aranola. But in the end, the effectiveness is there. Over the last two seasons, you want to talk about some of the more advanced analytical numbers? Because I know those are the people that hate Aaron Nola. <laughs> You like wins above replacement? You into I that? I love wins above replacement. I knew War. you would, buddy. What is it good for? Aaron Nola. He is third in Absolutely Major League Baseball nothing. among all pitchers over the last two seasons in wins above replacement. That seems pretty good, right? You want that. The only two guys ahead of him are Kevin Gossman and Spencer Strider. So regardless of what we're using to break these guys down... Aaron Nola is bleeping awesome. He doesn't walk anybody. Even though his strikeouts are down this year, he's still a good strikeout pitcher. He would be the best on the Cardinals staff right now. And the dude continuously gives you innings. So I know low bar. I know. Say, blah, I mean, blah, blah, Drew blah, Rahm cool. might be the best strikeout pitcher on the staff right now. I love what we're seeing out of Aaron Nola. And if you could sign one player this offseason, they need to sign more than that, obviously. <laughs> but if you could only get one, Aaron Nola was and continues to be my pick. Well, and the amount of people, because I, I see it on the text line saying, well, why would he want to come to St. Louis? It's not going to happen. Here's why you would want to come to St. Louis. Free Ma- Well, that's true. Oh. Also, <laughs> touche, man. But the the money that the Cardinals are going to give him helps him get more at the free kids zoo because you can go in the children's zoo and you got to pay for it. They could get a membership. They got a dinosaur exhibit now, and I'm sure Aaron Ola loves dinosaurs. Money is why he comes to St. Louis, and that's the one thing the Cardinals have to do. And you can say, well, they don't pay money. Well, guess what? That's why they've had bad rotations for so long. Throw all of the money at Aaron Ola because all of these other options, the Uriuses, the Snells, yeah, they're great. 
but I think consistency is the more important thing for this Cardinals team. Well, and like, I love those guys as you're talking about. I would love to have Urias here. I would love to have Snell here. But if we're just talking about what is most likely for this particular front office, the likelihood is they're they're going to go out there and get somebody that is a little bit more certainty. Yeah. And that's that's where you get into a Aaron Nola over those players that we just mentioned. Somebody on the text line said, guys, he's not even a very good pitcher. He has a 4-3 ERA this year. Can we talk about Dylan Cease, who is everybody's favorite pitcher suddenly? Oh, no, I don't think they like him. A 4.8 ERA this year. (laughs) Like some of the pitchers that we've been talking about pre Julio Urias, people like him. 4.4 4.4 ERA this season. Lucas Giolito, people like him, no. 4.3 ERA this season. Um, Sorry, Tebow. <laughs> my guy Clark Schmidt, 4.5. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> what a, what a, that Sandy Alcantara guy is pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, been told four, he was a Cy Young winner. He has a 4.2 ERA so oh, far this season. Scrubs. Well, Cardinals won that Bryce trade. Bryce Miller, people yeah. love him, right? Yeah. His underlying numbers are worse than Aaron Nola's on the season. Well, somebody wants guy. you to explain Nola's high ERA, though, BK. His high ERA is because he gives up a ton of home runs. No. <laughs> we don't want that. What do you think's going to happen in St. Louis? You know helps? Playing at a ballpark that doesn't allow for home runs. Yeah, but he's not left-handed. It doesn't matter. you got to be a left-handed pitcher in St. Louis. True. Aaron Nola is exactly the type of pitcher that the Cardinals need to add. He is. He's the guy. And if you go into the offseason and you acquire him as your number one, will there be question marks? Sure, there there will be. But there's going to be question marks no matter who it is that you go out there and acquire. If they go out and get Blake Snell, there's warts on his resume. He doesn't get very deep into games. I do have some question marks of as a lefty starter who has great stuff but walks the world. What happens when that stuff starts to go back a little bit? Maybe that's next year. Maybe that's two years from now, but it's coming. He's 30 years old, and you're going to have to give him a five- or six-year deal. That is that's scary, man. There's a lot of risk involved in that. Julio Urias has had some injury questions. His velocity's down. His effectiveness has taken a step back, and he's got outfield stuff. Those are the best pitchers on the market. And then there's Yoshi Yamamoto, who we'll talk about a little bit more later on today. Everybody loves this guy, right? Because we haven't seen him. We have not seen him fail in the big leagues. Well, nobody else has seen him fail in the big leagues either. And so there's going to be a massive price tag that comes along with a 25-year-old pitcher with a one ERA this year over in Japan. So are you willing to give eight years at 25 mil a year to that guy who we've never seen pitch to big league hitting? Or would you rather go like six at 25 a year for Aaron Nola? They're both scary. There's risk involved in any of these. Or if you don't like either of those, all right, now we're trading Nolan Gorman and Lars Nupar for Dylan Cease. No matter what route you go, because the Cardinals have failed in developing and drafting their own pitching, they've got to go out there and find it elsewhere. Yeah. Somebody on the text line, Alex, asked, why would the Phillies let Aaron Nola go? Because they're not desperate. They're not yeah. in the same position as you. They have internal pitching options. You saw what they have in Zach Wheeler. So if I'm the Phillies... Hey, that's my ace. I'm not going to pay another 25 to $30 million a year guy at the age of 30. I'm not doing it. Yeah. They shouldn't do it, frankly. But because you're the Cardinals and you have put yourself into this position, you are desperate and you have to go sign a pitcher. And like I this. also feel like 
people fall into this rabbit hole of, oh, well, it's only Aaron Nola and then your offseason is done. If you just do Aaron Nola, that's still not a successful offseason. You can still go add weapons to this team, but Aaron Nola needs to be that top option for you because you don't have an ace. And making a trade for an ace right now is going to hurt this team more than what I originally thought. Like, it's pretty evident that you need all of the the weapons you can ask for on the offensive side because there are a lot of cold streaks on this team. So go spend the money to where you're not losing assets to bring in a guy who is an ace and then go spend more money on a guy who can compete with him. We got this text from the 314, and we'll get out of here on this. We're supposed to talk about Michaelis today. I don't care. Michaelis was bad over the weekend. From the 314. Guys, no other show on this station talks about Aaron Nola or Blake, Sm- Blake Snell as often as you do. Blake Probably. Snell, like Blake Smell, my <laughs> right. I accidentally no, said. Don't, you, don't you put that bad juju Sorry. on him. It's good to have Alex back. Probably because they're <laughs> realistic and knowing that there isn't a chance in hell that the Cardinals will spend the money that is necessary. And if they are willing to spend that money, they will be outbid by a team that has more money to spend. You guys are the only ones that are going to waste the next five months. If these guys don't sign for five months, guys, this offseason's going to suck. It's going to be an awful offseason. I digress. The next five months talking about a guy that will not be on the team at some point. Would you please wake up? If the Cardinals are unwilling to either match the asking price for one of these guys in the top tier of the pitching market. And by the way, we've scratched Shohei Otani off the pitching market, so these are now the top tier. Well, technically, he scratched himself off the pitching market. Um, Zelbo scratched itself off of the pitching market. Nice. All right, we went too far where we were going. Nice. If the Cardinals are unwilling to match that asking price in dollars or to match the asking price in prospects slash players for the trade options that are in this same ilk, then they have failed. And you, the listener, the texter, you should crush them as well as we will. I can't do that right now because we haven't seen them fail. If we get to that place, I hope that we have earned the credibility, we have earned your trust, and that we will be critical of them. I'm not going to be critical of something that we haven't seen yet. And my belief, and maybe this is blind faith, my belief is that the Cardinals will go out there and do something this offseason that we have never seen them do. For the start of spring training when you don't have those types of pitchers on your team. Exactly. We'll save it for after these guys sign. <laughs> if they sign elsewhere, I'll be critical. Well, but, but with the open mind of look, they could go out and trade for somebody. But I will be critical of them if they miss out on this entire top of the class. We can't be squinting here in well, December yeah. going, man, Paxton has a one. Right. Wake oh, up. Get the hell out of Wake here, up, sir. sheeple. If they miss out on all of these guys, then they'll just go out there and they'll bring in Sonny Gray and say, here we go. Let's run her back. Yeah. That's Alex Ferrario. It's good to have him back. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. We've got three days with the three of us in studio, and then I'm out of here for the weekend as well. No, no. Coming up next. I never get vacation. (laughs) And then I'm off next week. It's wild time, boys. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. All next week. Really? My wife's famous, so she's going to New York, so I'm daddy. Oh, really? Yeah. Call me daddy next week. I will not do that. Thank goodness you're not in studio next week then. (laughs) Are you like on the show but from home? No. Oh, just, I, I thought he was I'm, I'm daddy. Yeah.
Look at the vacation schedule, guys. You know I don't look at That's that. That's true. Tebow never gets them, so he doesn't have to yeah. look. There's a schedule for that? Oh. <laughs> Tebow never leaves. <laughs> so like, Wait, is that why I saw off? you in your sleeping bag in the back? Yeah, I didn't oh. know we were allowed to oh. leave the building. That makes sense. Coming up in about 20 minutes or so, and I've got a question for you guys. I need a ruling from all of you in the listening audience because Jackson has put me into a bind with our fantasy yeah. draft. We'll get into that coming up here in just a little he while. He wants 15 second draft times. Katie would joins us at 12 o'clock. We'll talk more about Aaron Nola for all the haters coming up in the one o'clock hour. But next, the Blues are messing around with a decision right now that Alex doesn't think they should even be touching with a 10-foot pole. He'll explain it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Are you ready to give it to Robert Thomas? And I think maybe the answer is not yet. And do you give it to Braden Shin for a couple of years, knowing that Robert Thomas could be ready in a couple of years, but also Shin would still be around because his contract has about five more years left on that. So, you know, I don't know that Doug Armstrong's thinking that deep on the situation. I, I just think that it's legitimate that the Blues could go into the season without a captain, at least poking my uh, nose around the situation. That's what I've heard in the past month or so. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. That was Jeremy Rutherford on the fast lane last week talking about the Blues decision on whether or not to give out the captaincy this year. JR wrote a piece earlier today over on The Athletic. It's well worth your time. If you don't have a subscription there yet, uh, you should go ahead and get yourself one before the Blues season. JR's work is well worth the price of admission. Alex, the piece was on the 10 bold predictions for JR going into the 2023 season. And his number one bold prediction was that the Blues will not name Braden Chin captain, and they will not name anybody captain this season. He added that he would. He thinks they should name Braden Chin the captain. Alex, what would your reaction be if the Blues went into the uh, season this year without a captain? I agree with JR. I think it's a bad idea if you're trying to move forward with your organization and not name a captain. And I... I can see what they're trying to accomplish in terms of, you know, this unity in the locker room of everybody being a voice rather than one guy being the leader. Because let's be honest, that was the issue last year. You had certain players that didn't agree with the leadership that were in place, and it seemed to leak into that locker room. There were culture problems, as JR talked about in his piece last season. So you're trying to bring this unity of this new group and maybe biding your time for Robert Thomas. I think that's a terrible idea. I think you're a team that Doug Armstrong said, quote, we're at the 50 yard line and we're trying to move to the offensive zone rather than the defensive zone. Braden Shen is your captain. Braden Shen is viewed as a captain in that locker room. And I understand the sentiment of, oh, well, if he's viewed as a captain, why do you need to give it to him? A letter doesn't make a difference. Sure. That's the cliche saying with it. But to me, when a guy is pretty obvious as your captain, you make him the captain so that it is known, it is widely expressed that the organization views this individual as the leader of the locker room. They did it with Petrangelo. They did it with Bacchus. They did it with Ryan O'Reilly. And now you need to do it with Braden Shen. If Robert Thomas is the future captain and you want to make sure he's ready to grasp that, well, then great. In five years when Braden Shen is a free agent, then you move on from it. Or if you say, you know what, Robert Thomas, we want you to be the captain. We'll give you the A until you are the captain ready to take over. But you need somebody who can rally the troops this season, settle things down when it gets overcomplicated, and that needs to be Braden Shen. So 
I do, in theory, understand where Doug Armstrong is coming on, c- coming from on this. He's basically saying, hey, the captaincy has lost some of its value in the modern game. I think there's some truth to that, honestly, because if you're a leader, you lead, whatever. Much <laughs> of... If you're a leader, you lead... Whatever. I, like, you don't need a C on your chest. Put that to, on it. <laughs> but see, I, I, I disagree with that, though. If you look at the successful teams in the NHL right now, they put the C's on guys' jerseys because they know that it matters. Patrice Bergeron never but needed a C. That's a, that's a chicken or the egg argument, right? Patrice Bergeron was the captain because he was the leader. Would he have not been the captain? Or would he have not been a leader on that team without the C? He probably would have been. But again, what's the point of not putting it on his chest? Like, who cares if you don't think that it has value as the general manager, but the player or even the players uh, inside of that locker room, if they deem it to have value, then there's no harm in putting the C on somebody's chest. Yeah. So no matter I, I was providing the devil's advocate argument. Well, I I'm hated with it. You on I hated it. Even if you don't think that there is value to it. If the player himself does, and he's the guy that you think is going to be the Pied Piper in the locker room, he's the guy that's going to bring everybody into the fight, well, then give it to him. Because there's almost zero drawback to the possibility, unless you think that your young guys, and I don't believe this, if you think your young guys are so soft that they'll be broken by the fact that somebody else that has more veteran standing on the team has a C over them. Like in, and if that's the case, you got a bigger problem yeah, on your hands absolutely. than anything that was going to come from the captaincy. This is the part for me of why I think it needs to happen, and it's because of what you just said with your young players. Look at what last season was. When Alexei Torovchenko had to stand up and basically call out his entire team because nobody was willing to address the situation. And I know it's the part that doesn't matter of the game, but when things go bad, we remember Doug Armstrong's quote last season, like the snowball seems to continue to build and nobody on this team knows how to stop it. I think that's where the captain comes into play. And maybe this is where you don't need to see. Maybe I'm arguing with myself here. (laughs) But for guys like Jake Neighbors, for guys like Alexei Torovchenko, for other young players that are coming into that locker room this season, and frankly for Thomas and Cairo, who are still, quote-unquote, figuring it out, that's where Braden Shen comes into play. Because now it's not when a three or four or five, six-game losing streak builds up, everybody's looking around, are you going to take control of this? Are you going to take control of this? Because nobody's really ready to grasp it. Whereas if Braden Shen's the captain, Braden Shen knows, I got to take this. I think there were too many times last year where everybody looked around the locker room and said, who's got this one? Yeah, like after because they a, expected O'Reilly to do it. It, it, it. Sure. And after a bad game, you're all looking around like, okay, you guys going to take care of this one? You guys got the media tonight? The truth is, that's the captain's job. Like, so much of what falls onto the captain's plate is just media appearances, um, doing stuff with the, like, specific media rights deals. Yeah. So Off-ice like, stuff. No, Nobody in the listening audience probably cares about this, but this is the truth of what that job entails. Ryan O'Reilly did a bunch of stuff where he just, like, voiced liners before the season. Before the season. He would, like, go into a room, and they would hand him copy, and for the next hour, he was just reading stuff. That's not the most glamorous thing in the world to do, but it's part of the role. And Mm -hmm. you take it on and you understand this is something that comes my way because of the C that is on my chest. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to go do something that you're not technically paid to do, right? I'm going to spend the next hour of my life when I'm a professional hockey player and this dude that makes 10 bucks an hour is going to tell me what lines to read. (laughs) that's, That's what's happening for the next hour. Yeah. That sucks. It's not fun. It's not an enjoyable thing. But Ryan O'Reilly did it with a smile on his face. Always. Braden Shin is the same kind of way. 
And so that's the kind of thing that comes along with having the captaincy inside of that locker room. There's no question as to who's going to handle that responsibility. It's yours. If you don't have that role, is there somebody specific that's going to do it? Does it fall onto multiple different people? After a game, you suck, you lose that game 5-1. to one. Who's answering the questions from the media? Who's making sure that those are uh, those are fit? Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that it's just... And Braden Chin's the guy that answers those questions. Yeah. He's the guy that's happy to talk. He's the guy that's willing to do all of the things. Like, Jake Neighbors comes up to the NHL level. Who's he staying with? Braden Shin. Like, th- those are the kinds of things that he just takes care of without even a second thought. And that's what a captain's supposed to do. Justin Falk said it at the end of the season. There were younger guys on the team that didn't carry themselves professionally this year. Now why we need people on this roster that are the central pieces of making sure that everybody carries themselves professionally. And that's what I believe the successful teams that have captains are able to accomplish. And some of them have been there for a long time, like Steven Stamkos and Patrice Bergeron. But also there are teams that just named captains that are hoping to get to that point. You know, the list of teams that don't have captains, Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, you've got Vancouver, you've got Winnipeg. All of these teams are either rebuilding or they're about to blow it up. The Blues are trying to move north at the 50-yard line, according to Doug Armstrong, and you don't do that unless you have a central focal point that's a leader on your team. It's like our show. Somebody had to have their name come first. The BK comes before the Ferrario. Yeah, we had to have the symbolic nature of who, who comes first in line. Well, technically, if we're going last names, well, think about Kylie, the previous show. Ferrario... Well, the B came first, though. Well, you know? but we're not going first names. If the B. B comes first, the Alex comes first. So Alex would be in well, front. Your name is Ferrario on the show. Mine is BK. So the B came before the Ferrario. Previously, it wasn't alphabetical either, by the way. It was Ribs and BK. We all know well, who came first there. Well, that's just because that you, you, if you went for a fight for the, the naming rights, you wouldn't have come out alive. No, it would have been Rivers and Ferrario. That was one of those where Jamie called me said, hey, what do you think for a name? I said, I don't know. What do you want to do? He said, I think Ribs and BK. I said, that sounds great. I think we should, <laughs> I think we should take this to a cage match. But dude, nobody would even pay Let's for just, that. A cage match nobody between would, us? Yeah, nobody would watch Let's that. Let's just be honest. Yes. Though my name's not on the show, I am the captain. It would become a pillow fight between the two of us. We'll and call, nobody we'll call it that. Superstar versus Half a Star. Coming up in 15 oh, minutes, thanks, we'll man. get to questions and answers, including <laughs> a current issue that's happening behind the scenes at 101 ESPN. And we got to decide if this person deserves to be kicked out or not. We'll yeah, talk about BK. that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next... There were two college football contenders over the weekend that gave us very different impressions. We'll tell you who they were, and, oh, I'm ready to get a swift kick to the nuts on Mizzou this year. We'll explain why coming up next year on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're 
right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we saw two college football playoff contenders over the weekend. Both of them were very different in terms of the impression that we got from them. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. So USC beat San, San, San Jose State 56 to 28. Good evening, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. It's been a rough start. At, uh, it's a Monday. I went to a music festival over the weekend. Oh, uh, that's why it's a rough yeah. week. Long, long, long weekend. Don't even realize that okay. the concert took place, didn't you? So USC won 56 to 28. The offense looked amazing. They've got this freshman, Alex. I don't know how much of that game you were able to watch, but Zachariah Branch. Uh, Great name. He was legitimately unbelievable. Every time he touched the ball, I thought he was going to score. He had a couple of punt returns that were super impressive, had four catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. They're going to be amazing offensively this season, but that was never in doubt. We knew with Caleb Williams, they're going to put up a ton of points. Their defense allowed 28 points to San Jose State, dude. (laughs) At some point, you got to be able to stop somebody. It was a tune-up game, though. Yeah, sure it was. (laughs) I, they have a schedule that is easy enough this year that they should get into like mid-October whenever they go up against Notre Dame and they'll be undefeated. But when they go up against Notre Dame, who we also saw over the weekend, that defense is going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if Lincoln Riley is going to be able to get that thing right or not, but that is the number one concern for them going into the season. And week number one, I guess week zero technically, gave us zero reason for optimism on the defensive side of the ball there. Yeah. The biggest question for Notre Dame, who I just mentioned is going to play USC in mid-October, was their offense. (sighs) And those questions have been answered at least thus far in a game against Navy. Caveats all there. But Sam Hartman was awesome. Awesome, dude. Looked as efficient as you could possibly ask for. This is the former uh, Wake Forest quarterback who is one of the all-time leading passers in the ACC. Comes over in the offseason, transfers to Notre Dame. They think they've got their long, or at least this year, answer at the quarterback position now. And it certainly looked this weekend as if they're going to be a legitimate threat to make it to a college football playoff this year with him as the quarterback. So I didn't see the USC one. I was locked into the Notre Dame one because I had just got back from vacation, and that's the one that I I turned on. And watching Sam Hartman perform, and again, I understand it's Navy and it's week zero. Like we get It's also Notre Dame, though, and they haven't had a quarterback in a hot minute. And that's the part that got me. And they lost to Marshall last year. (laughs) Exactly. Their quarterbacks have just not been good. Like It's been the weakest point of their season. And I was listening to the broadcasters talk about it. I mean, Sam Hartman, they said, feels like he's been here for four years they said he knows the offense he knows where these players are going to be the players are connecting with him that was the missing link I said last year going into the season that I was really excited about Notre Dame because I like Marcus Freeman I think he's a really good coach but I forgot that they need a quarterback to actually be good it turns out that's important that's important now that you've got Sam Hartman who did that four touchdowns against Navy Yeah, I'm a little bit more on board with Notre Dame this season than what I was last year. Yeah, I really like what Hartman did, and I think he does make Notre Dame a legitimate contender for at least a conversation for the college football playoff. And look, they've got the schedule this year. There are times where you watch Notre Dame play, and it's like, okay, this schedule's pretty weak. I mean, this year the schedule will not be, and if they can can work their way through this where you're going to have Ohio State, Clemson, and USC – I mean, that's a gauntlet, but yep. you've got the quarterback to help out now and I and, and Sam Hartman, and I think they've got at least a legitimate shot now that they've solved the quarterback position. USC, I, 
I mean, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team coming into the year because I really questioned the defense, and it just reaffirmed my stance after watching them this weekend. The defense is just too loose, and they're going to get exposed against the great quarterbacks that are in the Pac-12. But they yeah. play Bo Nix. They play, they play Sam Hartman, as we just said. They're going to play, um, I'm drawing a blank on Penix. his name now, Penix at Washington. And, at the, and they also have games against UCLA, which you never know what they'll be with uh, Chip Kelly there. They're, they're going to have Utah a— Utah later on this season, and, and at yeah, that point, Cam yeah, Rising should be at 100%. Yeah, their their final six games, four of those six are against most all those quarterbacks that we just said. So they are going to— have a tough time and they're going to have to win games like they did last year when they took down UCLA where they won like 107 to 100. Like they're going to have to outscore their problems and I think you've only got a limited ceiling in doing that and that happened last year with USC. Somebody from the 636 said, guys, he was great at Wake Forest last year. Why are you so shocked that he was good on Saturday with Notre Dame? I'm not shocked that he was good, but for those of you that haven't watched Wake Forest, and I'm sure there's a lot, they're not a nationally renowned program by any stretch. Last time I watched them, they beat Mizzou. Yeah, they have a very specific offensive oh, style. I that. <laughs> they play this slow mesh, which basically means, Alex, they, it's an RPO style of an offense, but Sam Hartman basically walks to the line of scrimmage with the running back and then decides very late, based on what he's seeing from the defense, whether to give the ball to the running back or to pull it and then make a quick read, one step, and then boom, it's on the wide receiver. Going from that to playing in Lincoln-Riley's system, which is still very quarterback-friendly, or excuse me, to, to playing in a Notre Dame system that is still very quarterback-friendly, is a significant adjustment. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't wondering if he was going to be good. I figured he would be. Can he be great? Because for Notre Dame to get to the college football playoff this year, to T-Bone's point on their schedule, he's going to have to be great. And we didn't know that going into Saturday. We still don't know that, frankly, coming off of a game against Navy. But he showed you the promise that you needed to see in order to believe that potential is there. Notre Dame is nobody's underdog. However... If they're going to be able to make the college football playoff, it's probably going to require something similar to what happened last year with TCU, where Duggan just became this Heisman-level quarterback, and that was what they needed in order to unlock the rest of the roster. That's what Notre Dame could have right now with Sam Hartman. So that's what we saw from them on Saturday. Two teams that gave us very different impressions. USC for the good, or excuse me, for the bad with their defense. Notre Dame with the good with a quarterback who could maybe even unlock what the rest of that team's going to be. And real quick, Notre Dame may have to be better than what TCU was with their quarterback situation. Why? They don't have a conference championship game either to sure. rely on. They have one less game to impress the college football playoff committee. So speaking of college football, Mizzou begins their season uh, on Thursday night against South Dakota. Loss. Yep. They, they should be able to name their, their score on this one. So Don't Alex, over the excited. weekend, I saw this tweet, and it, it made me feel the way that you guys are talking about right now. Oh. It genuinely made me feel like I'm going to get a swift kick to the groin. I'll so do it for you, buddy. John Ewing, who works for MGM, tweeted this out. 99% of the money at BetMGM is on Mizzou football to go over six and a half wins this year. 99% nope, that never of the goes money. well is on Mizzou to go over six and a half. All right. Do you know how rare it is, Alex, for any team to get 99% of the money on anything, whether it's to win a game outright, to cover the spread, to go over or under their win, whatever the prop is that you've got to throw out there, 99% of people to agree on, 
99% of the people wouldn't agree that the weather is beautiful today here in St. Louis. True. It is, by the way. No. It's kind of a little warm. Exactly. Like. Little, the sun's a little bright. I don't know how this is going to go wrong, but something is going to go wrong for Mizzou this year because of this. Look, you don't because put, we can't all win money on Mizzou's over. You don't put ninety nine percent next to something and expect it to pan out for you. It's just not going to happen. And unfortunately, I'm very excited about the Mizzou football season. But you put a ninety nine percent over going six and a half wins. That means they're starting off the season zero and one, mostly because the BKO happens. See, I actually don't mind this. What? I don't. I don't mind that all this money's being put on him. One, it's good odds at plus Tanner 110 at fail. over six and a half. It's it's plus 110 yeah. for the over? That's why I think so many people put money on it. Jeez. And like, if you look at their schedule, we've talked about Vegas this before. What does Vegas know, man? Oh, Vegas knows something. Nothing, nothing. Drink nothing. called him up and told him. Now, look. That, they should th- win seven games this year. I know. And that, okay, I'm getting ready to pull up their schedule here because there's South a couple Dakota, here. South Dakota, can we agree? Win. Middle Tennessee. Win. Memphis. Win. Vandy. You guys saw Definitely them this weekend, win. right? <laughs> win. <laughs> that, that's the correct response. Okay, good. Now let's get to the bottom of the schedule. Florida. Should be a Florida win at stinks. home. Graham yeah. Mertz, you saw him at Wisconsin. Is it in the swamp or is it here, He's though? Bad. It's uh, here. It's here. Oh, yeah, that's a win. He's, He's not terrible. a good quarterback. That's so that should starter. be a win. And as this defense is as good as BK tells me, that should be a win. That's five that are locked in. Now you got to win two of the following. Yeah, but anybody that says five locked in, there's going to be a loss there. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> two more that you can get that are swing games. K-State, loss. Kentucky, win. South Carolina, Arkansas. Win two of those and you've got seven. Yeah. All you right. just got to go 50-50 in your swing games. Yeah. It's not hard. Yeah, that's very hard for this no, team. No, no. And Drake's not even calling plays. You should feel more confident about I that. I am. I'm excited. M-I-Z. But yeah. anytime somebody puts 99% next to it, it means it's not going to work. That's kind of where I'm at. No. no. Like, when, when I see something like this, it's almost like a blind bet on the opposite. I just assume that there is no chance Vegas yeah. is going to allow 99% of us to be right about something. Yeah. There's, it's not going to happen. This is like when I when I have my air conditioner checked every <laughs> season because it's old. It's like 30-something years old. And the technician's like, yeah, it's old, but 100% you should be getting through this year. I'm always skeptical that I'm going to make it through the fall or the winter. I, I just, I, I'm officially concerned. I was pretty optimistic about seven plus wins going into yesterday. And I saw this tweet and I thought, hmm, should I bet the under? Son of a nutcracker. <laughs> coming up in 15 minutes, we'll talk to Katie Wu. She's the Cardinals insider for The Athletic. But coming up next, we need a ruling from you guys. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Jackson has put himself into a conundrum of his own doing. And I have the power, Alex. I got the power to determine whether or not he's going to get on my good side. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. So, guys, we've got a conundrum here at the station. I've already got a great storybook title for this. Lil Piddle's Pickles. Lil Piddle's Pickle. So Because he's in a pickle. We it. do an annual fantasy draft. Little Pickle. Here at the station. Can't do that. <laughs> a few years ago, it used to be Anthony Stalter's thing. He used to be the guy that was in charge of it. He would put it all together and... We'd kind of go through the season. We're good to go, right? 
Well, Stalter has graduated from this. He has cheaper by the dozen at home, which yeah. means he no longer can be the commissioner of the fantasy Stalter's football pain. So after the pandemic, 2021 season, I took over as commissioner. And then this past year, I was continuing with my role as commissioner, and I screwed up the fantasy league by giving us 30 seconds to pick up. And our almost did it again this year. I did almost that do it again true. this year. I'm not going to lie to you. Thank I didn't see God that. whoever found that on the draft in our group text said it. So on August 2nd, I texted everybody that played with us last year and the new additions to the station within the past calendar year, which includes Brooke, said, hey, wanted to let everybody know we're going to do the Fantasy League again this year. If you are in, please send me a text back. I will make sure that we have the number of spots that are necessary. I just want to get a, a general feel for how everybody's doing with this, right? So that was on August 2nd that I texted that out. We got half dozen responses to that. I sent another text to individuals that were in the league last oh, year. He individually went after them. And then I sent another text to the full group again <laughs> to say if everybody wanted to do it. I didn't get a response back there, too. See, look at this. Mm. Alex, who is this to? That looks like it's to uh, BT, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, and Jackson Lil Piddles Burkett. Okay, so that was on August 15th. That was two weeks later. Then I finally decided, okay, so they're not going to be in it because yeah. two of them responded. Or three of them. Stalter, Jamie, and BT. BT all responded to that message. You know who didn't? Little Pickle. Little Pickles. The only one oh, in the message, pickle. this was two weeks ago. This is not while he was in Vegas last week. So he never responded to any of the text Are messages you sure that were sent. You have the right phone number. 100% positive. Okay. Never responded to anything. Did not say he's in, did not say he's out either, but never responded. Just ghosted us. Yeah, that's a jerk move. Now today, as I'm walking into the studio, says, hey, BK, I didn't, I never responded to the text message, but I want to be in the fantasy league this year. (laughs) (laughs) The audacity. (laughs) No, sir. We already have our 12. We replaced him because he didn't respond. So I assumed Jackson doesn't want to be a part of the league this year. That's fine. No harm, no foul. If you don't want to be a part of it, that's fine. And then he tells me today before the show, the day of our fantasy draft, that he wants to be a part of it. Do we allow him in the league this year? Absolutely not. That was 26 days. You had 26 days to type out two letters on your phone. In. And you did not. So unfortunately, Jackson, Lil Piddles, I love you, buddy. But no, because I'm not doing a 13 team league it's yeah. not happening I, it does make no. things a little difficult. if that was sent uh, if that was said on friday when you have the weekend then maybe but you can't expect and us in seven hours to find another person now in those 26 days i know some of those he was in vegas i can see him right now not working <laughs> he had time to answer his phone yeah so he is yeah. out i see him all the time holding his phone in so his here's hand the problem. you know what the problem is what? i like jackson no i like jackson he's got he's a great smiling. smile no he's got a great smile i know i enjoy jackson but he was great competition last you year you do not ghost somebody for that long and then the day of say i'm in so here's the thing We've got Drew here. Drew might be interested in doing a fantasy league. Drew, set the phone down. Do you like fantasy football? Yeah. Okay. Drew might like it. We can maybe go to a 14-team league. We could maybe do a listener, depending on what we decide to do here. There's options. There's optionality. 
But I also just think for the principle of it, the fact that this man yes. looked us in the yep. eyes this morning and yep. said, hey, I wanted to be in all along and didn't have yep. the time to be in. Jackson, able- I want you to do me a favor. All right, we Jackson, got Jackson, Jackson in the studio. Jackson, I want you to do me a favor. Do a pocket check for me. Is your phone in one of those pockets? So it is always right, on him. It's there. Okay. He does have a phone. He is. There, it does it work. Listen. <laughs> First and foremost, I want to apologize for the lack of communication. (laughs) That's that's unexcusable. (laughs) What I'm being mischaracterized as is when you walked in the studio, all I asked was, am I in the league? (laughs) Because I need to know and not plan anything for 7 p.m. That's not what I heard. I didn't didn't clamor to get... I have a thing with fantasy leagues. I limit it three at the absolute most. I'm sure plenty of people out there can... Can kind of wow. agree with that. You sure. don't want to have too many fans. So we weren't even on your top three. Wow. You're in the top three. Oh. I just need to know if you are the third. So like and the... if that's the case, I'm available to draft tonight at seven. If not, totally fine. Just let me know. I think Jackson should be in. I already I told like, the guy. Because he came in with the niceties. No. I, I like Jackson. <laughs> he I think, can't come in with the nice guy. I think he should be in. Here's the question. If we're gonna let Jackson in, we gotta have the 14th. Right. We can't just do a 13 team league. If it's difficult. Please it might be easy. Expel me from I don't, the league. I don't I'll like this fine. nice guy thing because when you walk out and we let you in, he's going to be like, ah, those jerks, I knew they'd let me in. I think we need a listener. No. I think that's the best way to do this. Did you say no? No. I mean, I think that would be fun to have a listener. I think it'd be fun to have a listener. Yeah. The All pl- I'm going to see. We should have him on weekly. All I'm going to see in the draft chat is. What are you guys defend Ollie for? Oh, yeah, no. Why do you keep talking no, about Aaron Nola? They're not invited in the text chain. Marshy <laughs> just texted me, said he could have my spot. Oh, Marshy! So it seems like people are really clamoring what is to be happening right now. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like this league is so excited also, to be a part of it. Just quickly before I leave, I was the one person championing the 30 seconds in between picks. Don't say that because I might might have been influencing my yeah. decision to let you back in. I think it was great. <laughs> I think people would take way too long sitting on their hands and just end up drafting Lamar Jackson anyways. So <laughs> let me, if you want me in, I'll be happy to be in. I can Venmo immediately. I'll be fine. If it's too much of a hassle and there's an odd number, just let me know and I won't be in it. So I don't this know is how why you I feel like about you, Jackson. Right, again, I we... apologize for the communication problems. That's on me. <laughs> yeah, Jackson, this is why I like you, buddy. We are got leading a great his smile. fate up to the listeners. Go to That's our fine. YouTube page, 101 ESPN STL. Vote on the poll. <laughs> well, By the end of 2 o'clock today, Jackson's fate will be well, determined. Now Marshy wants out. Like, what's Marshy doing? Oh, no, Marshy's in. Marshy's. Yeah. He already committed. I want him out, too, now. <laughs> Piddles out. Piddles out. Thanks, buddy. All right. yeah. I Jackson's like that nice in. guy. I like that nice oh, guy routine. Executive decision. I'm the commissioner. Yeah, but I'm, you I'm, suck I'm as the I'm commissioner. Out. I'm out now. I'm, I'm like out. Rob Manfred. Can I, can dis- I can determine <laughs> what can the rules are. It's like I'm before with the Rob Manfred. Remember in 2020 when Manfred was like, hey, DH, we've got it now. <laughs> can you just decide on the on the pitch clock, though? Can you tell us yeah. if it's 30 seconds or more? Well, we've got a no. pitch clock now. It's one of the best rule changes that's been in. We have a super flex league. We're going to have 14 teams. And I think we're going to have a listener. I defended BK as commissioner last year. Now this well, is what I get. This you finished terrible. first. Of course you defended I him. I think we need to get a listener. And we'll determine how to do that coming up at 1245. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. In 15 minutes, we're going to play a game of in or out. Jackson was in. Are you out? We'll get into that coming up in 15 minutes. But Katie Wu joins us next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T. 
T-Bone, I'm BK. Good to have the gang back together. We've got Katie Wu joining us now here on 101 ESP. And you can, of course, find her work over at The Athletic and follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. How was your weekend? Well, guys, I'm going to go out on a, a limb here and say it was better than the Cardinals weekend. What about Touché. you? Uh, low bar to clear, but yeah, definitely better than what the Cardinals uh, had going on there in Philadelphia. Hey, let's talk about the positive, though, Katie. We got to see the future Cardinals ace in action yesterday in Aranola. What would you think of him? Yeah, you know what? Perfect segue, because um, <laughs> I don't think that you can make a Monday. You know, you want a Monday to have, like, positive vibes, right? You don't want to talk about the one-and-five road trip, 19 games under 500, 11 runs in the last six games. Like, we don't need to go into that. Um, at all. So let's talk about next year, which has been my motto since about the trade deadline. I think the Cardinals have a very unique opportunity to see back-to-back arms they should be targeting in the offseason. Started with yesterday with Aaron Nola, who once again dominated, I mean, one hit, seven innings, no earned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts. I know Nola has not had the most consistent season, but when you have a line like that, I'm pretty sure every team in baseball is going to take it. Blake Snell, lowest ERA in baseball. He takes him on for the Padres tonight at Bush Stadium with the Cardinals kicking off a six-game homestand. Two, again, two arms. Now, will be free agents in 2024 that highlight my personal target list for the Cardinals in terms of free agent potential acquisitions. Not quite sure what Snell will give the Padres tonight, but certainly if you're looking for a storyline to watch these days, I'd look at the opposing starting pitching. Katie, I think we've got pushback on the, from the text line, which shouldn't surprise you when we talked about Aaron Nola opening things up. And I'm one that personally believes Aaron Nola makes a massive difference on your team, more so than most of the other guys out there. The question is, how much of a difference, in your opinion, does he make to this Cardinals staff? I love the text line. Shout out, text line. Um, <laughs> yeah, now we're saying no to Aaron yeah, Nola. Now we're saying Aaron Nola isn't good enough for the amount of money you're going to have to pay him. But that's just the product of the market, right? I mean, free agency, especially starting pitching with how coveted arms are, they're always going to come at a price. You know what happens if you don't pay that price? You look at uh, exactly what this season has, like exactly what's transpired this year. So pick your poison, either spend some money or you risk another historically bad season. I think Aaron Nola, no brainer, absolutely makes your staff a lot better. I think Blake Snell makes your staff a lot better. I think Sonny Gray as well. But when you look at the Cardinals and you look at the main question mark coming into the season, I mean, we all know it was starting pitching. Wouldn't you feel as a fan so much better if you had a name like Aaron Nola at the top of your rotation? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah brother. I, I love Aaron Nola. <laughs> He's been my top, uh, top target that I would like the Cardinals go out there and acquire just because, like, I love Blake Snell. Don't get me wrong, Katie, but – a lefty that relies heavily on stuff and walks the world. I don't know how that's going to age over the next six years. I, I, I hope well, but I, I don't know for sure that it will. You look at Urias and he's had some injury issues and he's had some off field stuff. Aaron Nola is consistent as they come. The guy goes six innings and I think it's 20 of his 27 starts this year. And yeah, I understand he's giving up more runs and specifically home runs than what he has in previous years. But over the last two seasons, he's third in Major League Baseball and wins above replacement among pitchers. So that that seems like it'd be pretty good to me. I I guess the question, though, is what do you think the cost is going to be there? Like, do you think it's going to be twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year, or is it more than that? What do you think Aaron Nola is going to require the Cardinals to pay? I think it'll be more. I mean, let's just look at a Cardinal signing in the in spring. Miles Michael is two years, forty million. 
Um, and Miles Michaelis, I think, well, it's been a down year for him. It's probably uh, in the upper 50% of starting pitchers in terms of, of, you know, quality and durability. I think Aaron Nola is going to be much higher than that. Um, I think most of these free agent arms that are on the list of, of fans' desires are going to cost a lot more than that. And I get with Nola, and you look at the ERA specifically, it's not the most encouraging. You know, you see a guy with a 4.30 ERA, and you're like, why why target him? But I think, you know, all the stats that you just underlined is exactly why you target him. Uh, his start on Sunday was about as good as you can get, right? So it's going to come at a big cost. We know this. The Cardinals know this. This is not going to be an easy offseason where John Mosellos just goes into the winter, makes a couple signings and calls it a day. This is going to be, if he wants to add the three starting pitchers that he's been on the record in saying so, this is going to come at a high cost, either from payroll or from ownership or from trades. Um, so if you're looking at just the free agents, I don't see a world or a universe where the DeWitt family and Cardinals ownership don't have to open their wallets to ensure the Cardinals get the pitching that they so desperately need. And if they don't, again, guys, you're looking at a repeat of this 2023 season. Now, August has been especially bad. I don't think the Cardinals will be as bad as August has been. But without starting pitching, without top-quality arms, without a rotation that you can count on, this is exactly the kind of season you can expect next year. So let's talk about that uh, porous August that you just spoke of, Katie, that you did want to speak of. I'll be the jerk in this situation. How concerned are you that this offense has just completely disappeared in the last 10 or so days? Okay, hear me out. I'm not concerned, but here are my reasons. I know this has been the worst team in the National League since August 1st. Now, what does August 1st look like on the calendar? That was the trade deadline. That was the Cardinals essentially waving their white flag and saying, this ain't it. 2023 is not the year. We're going to pivot to 2024. So a lot of the names that you've seen lately are a combination of two things. One, a lot of your guys next year are injured, right? Brendan Donovan's out for the year. Nolan Gorman just came back. Lars Newtbar hopefully comes back this homestand. Dylan Carlson's out. Tyler O'Neill is healthy but precautionary. There are a lot of moving parts here. So a lot of these players are up in terms of need via injury. A lot of these players up to making up these lineups and the bench are 4A guys. You know, they're guys that are coming up from AAA from Memphis again to fill that need. I'm not sure that, in fact, I can almost essentially guarantee you that the lineups that have been rolling out over the last two weeks will not be the lineups we see as early as spring training next year. So, yes, the offense, for as good as it's been up until this month, it's been pretty bad this year or this month, obviously, should be a concern right now. I'm not concerned in the long-term future because the Cardinals are missing just so many key parts and because the guys making up the 13 or so position players right now, more or less, half of those guys won't be making up that same roster come next year. I, I'm with you in general, Katie. I do wonder, though, with with Paul Goldschmidt specifically, we saw the struggles that he had in September of last year. It was just bad timing more than anything. I kind of wrote it off, and then it carried into October, and we knew two games, him and Nolan didn't hit, and that's the way the Cardinal season comes to an end. This year we're seeing something kind of similar, where down the stretch he is – he has a lack of power right now, and in the month of August, he's slugging 400. That is carried over from the month of July. Is there any level of concern about Goldie's lack of power that we've seen over the last couple of months? 
I wouldn't say concern. I would say some confusion. Obviously, the slugging is down. As you mentioned, um, he hasn't been the MVP caliber performance that he had last year. Of course, it is very, very difficult to win back-to-back MVPs. But I think it's safe to say Paul Goldschmidt offensively has not been what the Cardinals expected him to be or desire him to be. That's no knock on Goldschmidt. You look at his numbers and you'll still take him. But there are some underlying things to monitor going into the final month of the season. Again, I don't think there's concern. I do think, though, the slugging is one number that the Cardinals and and Goldschmidt, too, probably are looking at and seeing what's going on here. Um, But when you're going into next year, you know, I like to explain a lot of this away by simply just saying, oh, it's a bad year. And I know that that is not uh, like a legitimate explanation. But on my list of concerns for next year, Paul Goldschmidt is very, very low. Katie, one more question that I have, and we've seen this over the last few starts from Miles Michaelis. It hasn't been pretty for him. Did they make a mistake in locking Michaelis up in the offseason and not Jordan Montgomery? You know what? It surprised me. Not that they extended Miles Michaelis. I thought, given what he did in 2022 and, you know, with Waymark retiring and him having the longest tenure in the organization, that made sense to do. But it surprised me that the Cardinals did not extend floor a multi-year extension with Jordan Montgomery in spring training along the same time. They knew in March they were only had Steven Matz locked up under contract, and they knew after Miles they would only have two starters. So why not make it three, right? They didn't do that. I wouldn't say they made a mistake, but they certainly had opportunities to doing so. Um, for Miles, it's been perplexing to me because he is a strike thrower, right? And yes, sometimes balls don't stay in the ballpark, but when you are Miles Michaelis and you can command the zone that he does, one mistake a game usually won't hurt you. The problem with Miles this year is that while he still is filling up the zone, he's getting hit hard in the zone. So, again, I'm not quite sure what the solution there for Miles is. I know he'll be the first to say that he doesn't like his numbers, doesn't make him feel great. I wouldn't, again, think that it was a choice between one or the other. I think the the decision was why not both. She's Katie Woop. Find her fantastic work over at The Athletic and follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Woo. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for hopping on with us today, and we'll talk with you again next week. You got it, guys. Have a great one. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Katie Woo joining us here on a 101 ESPN. As you mentioned, Alex, a big one tonight. Blake Snell on the mound for the San Diego Padres. When you look back at what we saw yesterday from Aaron Nola and what you're expecting to see today from Blake Snell, and you think about how those two could fit into the Cardinals' rotation next year, do you have a strong preference one way or the other on which of those you would rather see in a Cardinals uniform? It would be, Assuming a similar contract. It would be NOLA, just because the longevity, and I think you don't have enough guys on your roster that can give you innings. And I, Blake Snell's not that guy to me. Blake Snell's going to come with strikeout stuff, but as we've talked about in the past, when it goes, it's going to go for him. Whereas when it goes for Aaron Nola, you're talking about a guy who could be a legit three or a four. Looking at what Miles Michaelis is doing, Aaron Nola just makes the most sense out of both of those pitchers because I think you can still go to free agency and find that swing and miss stuff as the secondary option on top of Aaron Nola. Cardinals fans would get so frustrated with Aaron, with uh, Blake Snell, man. Oh, yeah. So frustrated. Oh, yeah. They would. I, I can already feel the text coming in. We're paying this guy $30 million and he's going five innings? Blake Snell has gone more than six innings once all season long. One time. When you watch this game tonight, the overwhelming likelihood, and this is going to be a BKO guaranteed, he's going to go nine tonight. You realize no he's hitter. going against the Cardinals. Yeah, right? No hitter tonight. The overwhelming likelihood is he gives them five to six innings 
tops. They get him through six typically and get him out of there as quickly as possible because he is not the type of pitcher that is going to go out there and give you a seven plus. It's just not who he is. And this is part of the reason why the Tampa Bay Rays, we all know the moment where they took him out of the World Series game and there was a lot of criticism there, much of which deserved. But Blake Snell is a five to six inning pitcher that strikes out the world. He is much closer to Jacob deGrom than he is Justin Verlander, whereas it's the opposite for Aaron Nola. Nola, there will be starts where it does not look pretty for him, but he's kind of the classic Adam Wainwright where he's going to go out there and no matter what his stuff looks like on that day, he's giving you a six plus guaranteed. You yep. can just write it in pen. That's who he's going to be. So I think Nolan just fits kind of the ethos of what it means to be a Cardinal much more so than it does Blake Snell. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about personality wise, just who they are as pitchers. He seems to fit a lot more with what the Cardinals are and have been as an organization than Blake Snell is coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Are the Cardinals comfortable with this kind of money that would likely be tied up into three players if they ended up going down this path that we're talking about? We'll get into that coming up at 1230. By the way, I've got one other person that wants to get into our fantasy league coming up at 1245. So we'll get into that coming up a little later today. In or out next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Come on, man. Are you in or are you out? It's in or out with BK and Ferrario. Oh, yeah. I'm back, BK. Officially back. He's over there meddling with the fans. Yeah, he's over here letting still. more people in that didn't respond. Matt Rocchio also never responded he's to trying the fantasy to wreck text it. messages. He's trying True. to wreck it. Should we let the listeners in on why you said that? Because he looks like Wreck-It Ralph. I think it's pretty apparent if you watch YouTube, which you should go check out our YouTube page every single day at 101 ESPN STL. Specifically I just BK and Ferrario. I feel like this is very easy, guys. Yeah, it's a name. Yeah, it's lay the hammer down. Yeah. So... All you got to do is say, I'm in. That's yeah. it. That's the only yeah. thing. 26 yeah. days. Yeah. But I don't disagree with this part of the yeah. conversation all at all. All three of us agree on that. This is like when my daughter continues to stand on tables. And I say, Adelaide, don't stand on that table. Adelaide, don't stand on that table. And the more she goes on it, the more I get frustrated. If she would just listen the first time, she won't get injured. <laughs> If they would just respond to a text, they could be in. Jackson is very calm about it. And Jackson's like, hey, if I can't be in it, that's fine. I understand. You know why Matt Rocchio came out from the uh, corners of the closet? Because he heard you let Jackson in. This is what happens. You are in an enabler, BK. I might be. (sighs) I very well may be. I'm also just a complete pushover. And because I like them and they seem like genuinely kind people who just made an honest mistake. By the way, no, no, I didn't see it. He sends a text to the group that's already involved, right? That it says, yes, wreck it, Ralph. No, no, but no, not only that, (laughs) he sends the text to the group that's already committed. That's probably paid their money. That's ready for the draft tonight and says, yeah, your name, including one person. (laughs) How how many people haven't paid you? I was on vacation. I'll okay, pay the man. Being, being the commissioner of a fantasy league is not all it's cracked but I, but up here's to be. Where I, here's my problem with this text that I just saw. He says, yay or nay, vote now. You know who's in the text? <laughs> the guys that we're voting on. Yeah. Now they, you are an enabler. You are an enabler. I think the league should be on strike. 
You want to unionize? Yeah. All right, we're unionizing. It's over, BK. Brady, Fire BK! Yeah. Fire, Fire BK! BK! Fire BK! You already tried this last year, and nobody else wants to take over. You know why? Because of this. I'll take over, because I would this. lay the hammer down. The draft would be set, and we would not be having a vote on that. Someone said Venmo doesn't work in Michigan. No, my phone was on airplane mode I'm in Michigan. You, I don't understand. So, Alex Ferrario hasn't paid. Andrew Marsh hasn't paid. Carrie hasn't paid. Randy always pays in cash. Uh, <laughs> Stalter hasn't Smart paid. Man. Clearly, the two people okay. that are now going to be joining the league, they haven't paid. Anybody that gives me ish about paying, I see this man for three hours every day. He's going to get his money. I paid. Somebody said BK is all of a sudden going to have a 20-team league. Yeah. Hey, he's letting everybody in. He thinks we should have a couple of listeners, playoffs. too. We should do a 16-team fantasy league. I like how, so I like how nobody responds to the group text. that he's, the, Nobody responded to the group text that was just sent, which I think is perfect. The fact that we're, we're trying to let two people in that didn't respond for 26 days, and nobody is responding to this group message. Why is it so hard for people to just respond to a message? I'd like to point out that in that group message, I was the first one to say, in when we started the group text. I know you were. I said the champ wants back in. So yeah, well, was, no. Tim was very quick to respond. Yeah. Randy was very quick to respond. To respond. I Brooke was is, very happy to get I in. I think this is simple. Jackson I said. I even singled out the people that never responded and said, in a separate group message, would you guys like to get in? I have not seen a response from you yet. And Jackson still did not respond. Rockio still did not respond. And I know for a fact that Rockio has his phone on him all the time. I know for a fact. Hunter on YouTube said, hell, there's 32 NFL teams. Just keep expanding. I'm telling you. <laughs> because we did two quarterbacks yeah, we this year. We don't quarterbacks. This league. We expand. <laughs> I let everybody in. Jackson made it very clear. Let them both in, oh, my way. God. I want you guys to know that. I don't care what the text I, line says. I may you never can't. do this league again. I, I think I'm going to back out. I'm yeah. just not going to pay the money, and Good. I won't draft we'll tonight. I no, you'll be back. at 13 because you're letting two in. 314-399-9646. Let's, let's start our own fantasy league. Yeah. Air comfort service text line. Come Get on, Stoltz. Stoltz. Donnie, Donnie said, said yay, yay too. Guys, this, come on. This. Yeah, because people are kind. We're unlike the two of you, you jackals. I'm kind. Everybody else is kind. I'm kind to the people that follow the rules. Yeah. That's what he said. Do a 32-team keeper league. Just oh let it fly, gosh. boys. <laughs> Tana, let's start our own league. It'll be a two-person fantasy football league. I'll keep all the winnings, <laughs> win or lose. <laughs> oh, you know what? Brooke, said, Brooke made a good point. What if we get to choose where they pick in this year's draft? Because they were the yeah, last ones. Yeah, they don't to pick in this year's draft. I've yeah. just decided. <laughs> how, how am I the jerk here? They didn't respond. It changes everything and for tonight. And the day of the everything. draft. The day of the draft when we have been planning a 12-team league, they say, oh, I'd like to be I in. I bet if Army showed up to the NHL draft last year and they said, hey, Army, by the way, we just added two teams. Your pick got <laughs> yeah. bumped down to. We got expansion leagues coming Army in three years. the same response as me. Army would lay the hammer down. He yeah. would jam the knife into the brain, twist him. it, and kill the opponents. I am not advertising for these two gentlemen to be killed. Yeah. I'd like to make that very clear. Do that. Hypothetically, their fantasy football team should be killed. All right. You guys done? No, Can because you can let them in. I am. In or out, boys. I hate this commission. I hate this league. I want my $50 back. Paul Goldschmidt. They should have to, call, they should have to pay for somebody. They should pay for the champions. This is why I fee. didn't pay. And second place's fee. So oh, me and Donnie are paid for by them. What if they pay for you and me? No. What? Yeah, they'll pay for us too. So you they two have didn't to put... even make the playoffs last year. Shut it. I was close. Uh, 
In or out, Paul Goldschmidt will be hitting outside of the top four next year for the Cardinals by the end of the season. Out. This, oh, is, out. this is just as ridiculous as adding two fancy football teams. Yeah, this is, this is come on, really? He's going to be hitting third next he's year. We all know that's second work. because he's going to be viewed as an on-base guy rather than a slug guy. His speed's declining, though. So. Well, he's still faster than r got 10 stolen bases this year. I think he he's second on the team in stolen bases, which is part of the problem for them. Uh, I, I'm out as well. Something worth keeping an eye on, though. I do think he's probably going to be hitting second. I'm, I'm with you, T-Bone. I think he's the guy that they're going to view as an on-base player. Alex? No, I don't. I, I think he's going to be hitting third. I know. I was saying, Alex, would you oh, like to give us an in round? I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't even come up with a scenario because I am so frustrated with how we started this segment. I, I forgot totally we were fair. doing in or out. I think that's so totally So I think fair. you should take Especially some scenarios from the text 60% line. 60% of YouTube says that Jackson shouldn't be allowed to the I have to take off my, my, my pullover because I'm sweating right now. I am so frustrated. In or out? Jackson and Rocky Rocky will probably win this championship game. (laughs) Oh, no. Will win the championship in our fantasy football league and take the money from us, even though they were last second additions. If they do, what happens? I think we have to, like, walk the commissioner off a plank or something. Oh, my gosh. Someone's at the brig. Davy Jones's locker. Yeah. Maybe he runs a beer mile. Although he'd probably like that. He's bragging about how much he's running earlier before we got on air. You got an in or out for us, T-Bone? Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll come up with one here. Uh, in or out, Jalen Hurts will win MVP this year. Out. Yeah, probably Mahomes. <laughs> I think Lamar's winning MVP this year. Oh, I like that. I think the Ravens are going to be better than expected. I think the Ravens' offense is going to be constructed in a way that is better suited for Lamar Jackson. And if he simply stays healthy, rushes for a thousand yards, throws 35 touchdowns, people are going to be like, oh, Lamar Jackson's good. Yeah, no bleep. Lamar's good. Like, of course he is. He just hasn't been healthy over the last two seasons. But when I mean, you think back to 2019, 35 touchdowns through the air, ran for 1200 yards on the ground over the last two seasons. If you do his per game statistics, he's been on pace to rush for a thousand yards each of the last two years as well. So I'm going Lamar. I think Lamar ends up winning uh, the MVP. this year. I- I'm going to say I'm in on this one. I actually think Jalen Hurts gets it this year. I think they have stacked an offensive juggernaut with what they have in Philadelphia. And I was reading something that talked about how they, they were pulling him out of games because they were so far ahead the Eagles in the fourth quarter and I think shutting down their offense yeah I think the numbers are going to be inflated for Jalen Hurts this year because they have tougher competition so I'm saying in on this I think he wins it I'm kind of in too I think he's going to have another big year and I I I don't want to say like Mahomes is going to have a down year but I have so many questions about what they do with that wide receiver group even though there were questions last year going into it after losing Tyreek Hill that I just don't know if he'll be able to repeat his performance I do like Lamar, though. Like, I think Baltimore's going to have a really good offensive year. I actually kind of like Dak, too, in terms of being Ooh. a outside dark horse candidate to be no. in the in the conversation. Trey I mean, Lance is there now. No. I mean, Kirk Cousins was in the conversation last year for a while. And I think with that offense in Dallas, I think they're going to be really good. I can see where Dak starts to pick up some I looks at the odds. Lamar Jackson is 16-1 to one to Those win the MVP. Freaking Same as great Dak. odds. Here, here are the players that are 16 to 1 to win the MVP this year. Who would you guys pick among this group? Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, Dak, Tua, Lamar. Those guys are all at 16 to 1. Rodgers, Lawrence, Prescott, Tua, or Lamar. Who would you take? I think you, you have to take one. Lamar because of the rushing ability. Trevor Lawrence might be a sneaky one, though, at 16 to 1. I think all of those are yeah. really interesting bets. Yeah. For different reasons. Trevor Lawrence is, I think, his I think his I mean, passing Rogers yards. In New York, if he, if that yeah. team's good. 
and he has a good season. He's going to get a ton of credit. It's New York. It's a massive media market. They're going to be one of the stories of the NFL season. So I, I, I see the argument there. See, I was going to say Lawrence, too, not so much because of what the meet, the market that he's in, but like they won, what, nine games last year, if I'm not mistaken? They were kind of... Yes, they were kind of underwhelming in yeah. the first part of the season to where if he ends up having a big year, they go on to win the South and they're like a top three team. It's probably because Trevor Lawrence had a great year because of all the weapons around him. So I would probably put him probably right next to Lamar for me. I would not, by the way, if you're going to bet on MVP this year, I would not go any lower in terms of my odds than 16 to one. Like the guys that are behind that are Justin Fields, Deshaun. I don't think MVP voters are going to be voting for Deshaun Watson to win MVP. Uh, Gino, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Jordan Love. Like I don't think any of these guys have the upside to be named MVP. I think it's kind of like your fantasy drafts where you want one of those like top eight quarterbacks for the upside play. I think one of those guys that are at 16 to one or better um, will be winning the MVP this year. I like that one. He'll probably be on one of the. I was just about to. I didn't want to go there, but because we're there, he opened up the avenue. I I think like it's going to be a lot tougher to get one of those quarterbacks now because there's (laughs) 14 teams. Yeah, there's that means there's 28 quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. It's a super flex league, which means you can get quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end in that flex spot. Somebody's going to be starting a non-quarterback in that spot this year, and it's going to hurt them significantly because we are a 12 or a 14 team. Grant brought up a really good point in our text. He hmm. said they should lose a draft pick. I'm in on that. No. Jesus. That's not going to hurt them. It's going to be at the back end of the draft. No, I say they no. lose their first round first pick. First round pick. Get out of here. I actually don't know if I want them picking last because then they get the turn on round two. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why we're just going to we're going to go randomly generated. I'm going to have Jamie Rivers come into our last segment. He's going to pick line. names out of a hat, this and we're going to, for 14 separate names, determine where we're picking. I'm announcing today this will be my final year in the 101 league, I'm as announcing. long as Brandon Murphy Kylie is. is Murphy? Your I don't know what Murphy? is. Michael, you were close there. I thought it was oh, Adam. Really? Yeah. I thought it was Adam. Come on, dude. Coming up next, are the Cardinals coming? Coverage of 101. What just happened? Coming up next. Okay, so just to <laughs> explain what just happened there. No, I don't think there needs to be an explanation no. of what happens there. What happened was, I, so the bed that's playing now is in a deck. <laughs> no, just go to break. My go to God. Break. We'll talk next. Ow. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner and Alex on BK. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So yesterday, Alex, I was watching MLB Network and they had an interesting discussion about how much teams can spend on multiple stars. This is something we talked about last year. It was in regards to the shortstop market where it was, hey, can the Cardinals really pay three guys more than $20 million on an AA fee? And we all kind of came to the conclusion that, yeah, you can make it work. It's not easy, but there are teams that do it, and you could be a part of that category. It becomes much more difficult to do when we're talking about paying three pitchers $18-plus million per year on top of having a guy like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt already on a long-term deal and Wilson Contreras on a long-term deal, all of which are at $18-plus million per year. So Brian Kinney, 
had this to say about how teams around Major League Baseball have made it work with three stars on a significant high high money deal. Here's what he had to say yesterday on MLB Network. What about the teams that go beyond that? That can lead to trouble, right? The Angels spend 16.7% on just Mike Trout. Between Trout, Otani, and Rendon, they spend 48% of their payroll on three guys. Almost half for three players. You have 23 more guys to pay with the other half. The Texas Rangers went on a spending spree. This year, gotten into playoff position. Right now, DeGrom, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, three guys, also eating 48% of team payroll. That's not healthy. How many big players or aircraft carriers can you afford? There's an answer, and that answer is three. Machado, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis combined take up nearly a third of the Padres' payroll. A third now is better than half, which is what we were talking about with the Angels and the Rangers. So 33% is the number that he thinks you should get to for your top three highest paid stars. Actually makes a lot of sense. That feels about right to me. Yeah. Here's the problem. The Cardinals can't really get there unless they significantly increase their payroll overall. Because you look at what Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt already make. That's $60 million combined between those two. If we assume it's going to be about $30 million for Aaron Nola, I don't know if it's going to be plus or minus from there, but let's say 30 just to keep the numbers round, right? That's $90 million for Aaron Nola, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt. You know what the opening day payroll was for the Cardinals this year? 160, 170? 176. So if they stay around that range, that is 50% of your payroll tied into three players going into next year. Now, maybe they bump it because this year they said they were going to increase the payroll and it went up by like $3 million. So technically it did. That's but let's true. say they, they, they did increase the payroll this year. Let's they get up to like they get real crazy. 195. The wallet is not that big. You're still talking about like 45% of your payroll being into three players. Now, the difference between the Cardinals and some of these other teams that we've talked about, that's only for a year. Nolan Arenado's long-term. Whoever this pitcher is, let's say it's Aaron Nola, that's long-term. But Paul Goldschmidt is off the books after next season, currently, unless you decided to re-sign him. Alex, how would you feel about this construction of getting more into the, uh-oh, we're really going out of our skis here, we're building like the Padres, like the Yankees, like the Rangers. We are now investing heavily in this top end of the roster and we see what some of the pitfalls are when you build that way i think the cardinals are in a better spot than most of those teams though because they have a lot of young talent available to them that are cheap and cost controlled so if you're top heavy like you look at the padres or um the the yankees like you're paying significant amounts of money to these three players to carry your team but you don't have other pieces that are on a competitive level, if that makes sense. Whereas the Cardinals, if you're paying that much money to Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Aaron Nola, yeah, that's 40-50% of your salary, but you also have Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, you've got Lars Newtbar, you've got all the Mason Wynn, you've got all of these pieces that are playing at the bare minimum for your roster that are serious contributors to your team. Now, you've got to find a way to fix the pitching, and especially if you're paying that much money for three guys, you're going to have to be doing some bargain bin shopping. But I'm not as concerned about it because the Cardinals have done a really good job of finding those pieces that can be accent pieces, but also 
cost-controlled pieces. That keeps them competitive to the point where Paul Goldschmidt comes off the book. Now we've got more money. And when certain guys start to get paid more, now you're talking about that next wave of players coming into play. Yeah, and I think there are only two paths to go this offseason. It is either tear it down or get this risky to where it gets uncomfortable because you, if this goes wrong next year, you're stuck. And that is spending this money that we're talking about to get to that point. And if that happens, you're looking at a really long process probably to get back into legitimate contention. But I think you have to choose a path. I mean, it's the piece that Ken Rosenthal wrote back, gosh, it's probably been since June, where it was, hey, you either got to be aggressive this offseason and be willing to spend the money to go try and solidify the rotation, which is the path I believe they're going to take, or you got to tear it down and you got to trade off a of Paul Goldschmidt, trade off some of your better pieces. And I don't think they want to go through a rebuild. So I think they're going to be going through that expensive route. And I don't necessarily mind it, but it does come down to talent evaluation. And that is one thing that can be a little alarming. But I think Noel is that guy that feel, feels, I should say, feels like the safest bet for the St. Louis Cardinals. A guy that has gone out there and shoved and he's been able to start 30-some games for the last handful of seasons. That's why he feels like the number one target this offseason. So... I think part of the discussion here, and I don't think it's an insignificant piece of it, is how the Cardinals treat their legacy players. And one of those legacy players, depending on how you view it, could end up being Paul Goldschmidt. All of this is doable for next year. Everything we're talking about, part of why it is possible is because of the way that the Cardinals stagger their contracts. I'll I'll give them credit here, even though I disagree philosophically with how they go about it. They do not like getting tied into the long-term deals because of what it prevents you from doing, which is what we're talking about this offseason, going out and getting one of these starting pitchers. You know who can't do this or probably shouldn't do this? team like the New York Yankees because they got stuck with the Giancarlo Stanton deal that everybody here in St. Louis wanted a few years ago. They are now tied up with the Aaron Judge deal. They've got Carlos Rodon. They've got Garrett Cole, all of whom are, at least at one point in time, really good players. Most teams would like three of those four guys at least, but it, it just it prevents you from going out and having some flexibility in the offseason. The Cardinals have a lot of flexibility built in, at least in part because Goldschmidt is going to be a free agent after next season. However, if you end up with one of the free agent pitchers for $30 million this offseason and you have that long term, you've got Arenado for $30 million. You've got Michaelis and Contreras both at $18 million. Are you then going to add Goldschmidt at about a $20 million per year basis and have $120 million tied up into those five players on your roster? Are the Cardinals going to do that? Because that is 60% of your overall payroll, 55% of your overall payroll going to five guys on the roster. If any team was set up to do it, it's probably this one because of what you said, Alex, with the young core of position players that has now been developed or is developing now at the major league level and the young pitchers that they currently have assembled in their system. But boy, if something goes wrong, if you don't get the type of production that you're expecting out of Aaron Nola, if Wilson Contreras doesn't get better defensively, if Paul Goldschmidt does have a decline, things could go really south really quickly Mm -hmm. if you build this way. Yeah, and that's the... That's the position you put yourself in, though, as the Cardinals, because you haven't been able to develop that minor league pitching, that pitching that can come in to protect yourself from overpaying for a certain guy. But like Tanner said, it's either ish or get off the pot for you, because if you're not going to sign a NOLA or pay the money for Yamamoto or whatever you need to do to find your ace, your stud, well, then just blow it up and trade everything away because you're not going to win with 
third tier, fourth tier starting pitching. It's what Katie said. Then we're going to just be living 2023 and 2024 and 2025. So you have to learn from your mistakes and get uncomfortable. Now, I don't think they're going to be doing the same thing that the Yankees did. I don't think they're going to be paying for certain pieces that can't contribute because we've seen that Goldschmidt can contribute to a level that's not Giancarlo Stanton, where he's injured all the time. Right now, what does it look like two or three years from now? But yeah. do I care about that two or three years from now if I'm not re-signing him? Well, that's the question. Yeah. Is like, if you're going to re-sign him... And even if him, you're going to re-sign him, I don't think you're going to be paying him $30 million. I think 20. No, 20 probably He's probably right. going to get the Yachty deal. He'll get the three-year $20 million deal to finish up his career here in St. Louis. But that would be my guess. But the Yankees are also in this predicament because they paid money for a Carlos Rodon who has not pitched all season. But that could happen to you. But I don't know if that's the same way with Aaron Nola. It, it could. Be. It could be. It could. I think with pitching, it's all up in the air. You could get a, you could get think, as good a deal. But again, you didn't develop your minor league pitching, so exactly. you Agreed. did this to yourself. Agreed. You could get a deal that looks like and it, it, Nola's not going to get this contract, just to be clear. But you could get a deal that looks like the Garrett Cole one, where it lives up to exactly what you paid for, or you could get the Rodon deal, where it's not at all what you paid for. And this for. texter makes a good point, 636. If anything, if it goes poorly and... and You've built back good faith with your fan base, showing that, hey, we will go for it if we need to. I think that matters. I think this season proves. See, I don't think they will get that kind of credit, though. I, I do if I you go for the top question. guy. I, I don't think they will because, like, when they make those signings in the past, like. Who is. Here's my question. Contreras, though. for example. We need a catch. We need that third impact bat. They went out and did it. Now, this is different. This would be the biggest signing they've ever made in the history and of the franchise. And this is an area that you are desperate for. My question, though, does any of these. Do any of these pitchers rise to that level that we're talking about? I think Aaron Nola does. I don't know, man. Look at our tax line on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like I think it's, but it's not. I don't think it's Aaronola. I think it's more skeptical that this team won't do it. And no offense to the text line, I don't know if they're the best gauge on the full St. Louis market. Totally, absolutely, you're 100 percent correct. But I do want like Aaron Nola is a very good pitcher. He's the number two starter for his own team. Blake Snell, while very good, goes five innings most nights. I don't know that any of these guys rise to the level of a Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander yep. or Max Scherzer. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe we just shouldn't view it that way. But I think there will be a decent segment of the fan base that says, oh, of course they signed Aaron Nola. He's on the back end of his career. He's the guy that's going to cost five years. He's proven all of this stuff. You paid for past production instead of projecting future profile. Like, I don't know how that's going to look. So I don't know that they can earn that benefit of the doubt that you're talking about, Alex. I think it all comes down to winning. I think the only way that Cardinals fans, the team can get back into their good graces is if they go do this and it works. If it fails, there will be a whole lot of second guessing, even if it wasn't existent now. Yeah. And the whole reason that I said that I don't think they would even get the credit for it, even if they went out and it failed, is because because of Mo's track record. I know he said to look at that when it said why people should have faith in him. But look at his misses in free agency lately. Missing and I get I get it that this is different and he's got to sign a the biggest contract probably handed out in free agency in Cardinals history, which he just did with Contreras, and he's got to sign three starting pitchers. But because of all the misses recently in free agency, the Cecil deal, the Fowler deal, the Leak deal, all those contracts that come back into the back of the mind of Cardinals fans, they're just going to look at it and go, "Well, we've been saying this for years. He hasn't won free agency, and now he just really set us back because he went all in." Yeah. And now you're stuck with these contracts. Well, then you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Right? I don't think you are necessarily. You are because I think this is Mo the best the... pitcher available on the market. No, no, I'm not just talking Nola. I'm talking, I'm talking Nola and whatever else he signs this offseason. because they're going to have to add a two, and that two is going to get a decent contract too. 
I, or like, that's where the trade comes trade, in. Yeah. And this or is why trade. we've talked about the trade. You have these assets, trade from them. Here's the thing. I have the biggest skeptic and negative person probably on the station about this Cardinals team. I mean, just in general, but yeah. Yeah, probably. I'm a very <laughs> negative guy, but it's almost blue season. So I will not shoot down John Mozeliak and company if they do this and it goes poorly. I don't Be- think anybody should. Well, they will, but no, I don't they think will. anybody should. But what I'm saying is the biggest skeptic of this team saying, oh, well, well, they just messed it up again. No, you didn't. It didn't work out in your favor. And you guess what? That's what you did to yourself by not developing the proper pitching. But at least you said, we've got to do something that we've never done before. And we went out and did it. Math's always in the critics' favor. And in this scenario, especially with the pitching that's available, if the Cardinals sign Blake Snell, it'll be, oh, they got a guy that can't get out of the, the fifth inning. If the Cardinals go sign Aaron Nola, it'll be, hey, they signed the guy that had a 4-5 ERA this year. This is basically signing Miles Michaelis, but to a $30 million contract extension. If they go get Yamamoto, oh, of course they got the guy from Japan because they didn't want to lose the qualifying offer pick, and they went the easy way out to get the guy that none of us have seen before. If they decide to go with Sonny Gray, you went with Sonny Gray, the little guy that can barely get out of the fifth inning. That's the guy that you he couldn't even make it in New York. Failed up there. Every time he gets to September, he falls apart because he's tiny. No matter who they go out there and sign, if they go get Jordan Montgomery, well, why didn't you just extend him before the season? You had to wait until everybody else could pay him, and he got a bunch more money because of it. If they go get Jack, he's broken. If they get Giolito, this guy sucked when he went over to the Angels. Every pitcher yeah. has a yeah, but. Every single one that's on the market this offseason. And that's part of why they're going to the market this offseason. So it all comes down to, does it work? It's unfair. It's playing the results as opposed to playing the process. But their process stunk to getting to this place. And so I think it kind of is fair to judge them based on whether or not they get it right. You know why people are praising the, the Rangers this year? They got it right. It's all that matters. If you get it right, you end up winning. And if you win... People praise you. Mm-hmm. John Mozeliak earned the praise early in his tenure in St. Louis because they won. Bruce Bochy, he's winning the praise down in Texas right now because they're winning. The Braves, I don't want to say this, and I'm not knocking the guy because I think Snicker is a good manager. I don't know how great Snicker is as a manager because I think I could go out there and play the same lineup every day. Now, he does a really good job of managing the Eagles within that clubhouse, and they're an unbelievable baseball team, and they do all of the little things right. So I think he and his coaching staff do a very good job. But part of being the manager of the Braves and getting that credit is because that team is loaded from top to bottom. So ultimately, John Mosellock's going to be judged this offseason, not by who he signs, not by the contract that he signs him to, not even based on how the overall offseason looks. Our text line will probably say, Yeah, let me find out what this looks like on June 1st. And if this team's contending because of the moves that they made, then I'll give Bo his proper credit. Coming up next, we're diving into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. the juncture here on 101 ESPN coming up in about five minutes or so. What the heck is going on with the Cardinals offense? We'll get into that coming up here in just a little bit, but right now it is time for the junk drawer. Alex, what do you got for us? So I got a great story for you guys. It involves my wife. So 
before we went on vacation, I emceed a silent auction or a live auction uh, for a animal shelter that I do some work with. And so I was doing the live auction. They had a silent auction. My wife went with me. She didn't get to go last year. Um, she went the year prior, but last year we she had a girl, our, our baby girl, so we we went this year together. So while I'm there, she's walking around checking out the silent auctions. I'm up at the podium, and she's putting her name down. Silent auction, have some fun with it. Sure. And she did, and so make, make Alex poor. Yeah, pretty much. Well, us poor. Walked home with a lot. So I'm up at the podium doing the live auction. Meanwhile, I'm watching my wife sitting at the table, and more and more people keep coming over and handing her sheets of paper. And I'm like, what the bleep is going on right now? Uh-oh. And so, like at one point, I she think I like where this is going. At one point, she did the you know when you have a stack of papers, you have to stack them to put them together. Yeah. And I made eye contact with her, and her eyes bugged out of her head. And I'm like, oh my god. Anyway, I finish the auction. Everybody goes to get their stuff that they want, and she's standing in line, and she's not making eye contact with me when I walk over there. And I get up to her and I go, what happened? And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. I go, what do you mean? We've got she a goes, brand new car. She's like, we paid a lot of money. I go, what's a lot of money? A lot. And I go, okay, seriously, stop this. She goes, I said, over $500? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> my bleeping God. And so uh, I don't want to say the amount that we paid. Let's just say it was... It was a it's lot over. of money. It was a lot. Let's just say the entire backseat of my car. Tell me, like, a number without going over. $800. Okay. Um, the entire... Like, R.I.P. to Bob Barker, by yeah, the way. Yeah, R.I.P. We were standing at the table of, like, giving all of the gifts. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, look, it's a lot of money, but we'll figure it out. It's for charity. It's cool. They start handing us everything. And I'm like, what did we get? We got like a zoo membership, which is cool. Nice. I got a really cool I heard painting. It's free, but I guess you pay for would the you membership. Would you want to give it's that cool. up for Nola? Yeah, I would. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give it to him if he wants it. But here's the problem. A couple of the baskets we got, they were called mystery baskets. Oh, no. And she's like, well, they were mysteries. She's like, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We got home. You could have this boat or you could have yeah. a mystery basket. We, it might even be a boat. We got, it could be a boat. Wow, we got, got it home. We got home and we opened up this basket and it was a basket full of cat toys. Oh, and got, we don't have cats. Aww. We don't like cats. So needless to say, we dropped a ton of money on baskets that we will not be using. Uh, so Christmas <laughs> gifts are going to be taken care of for the next couple of years. Katie Wu has a cat. We could she does. This. Well, there I got. Go. I will send Katie a great Christmas gift. But so, I thought this was going a different direction. I wasn't quite. I thought you were like going on like a trip or something. Oh no! No I no no! I wish your wife was raffling off you. Like no. I thought this was not like a a date, but like a night out with Alex Ferrario kind well, of. A we thing. know that wouldn't be in that. I thought yeah, it's not going to go for a lot. <laughs> I thought people were Come bidding on house. you, and I was like, oh, oh. I can't imagine to see anybody much... more uncomfortable with this scenario. <laughs> you want to see Ferrario. how much money I could go for? I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably do that. No, no. Well, you've seen that before, right? Yeah. We're like a night out, like a, yeah. yeah, hang out with me. I, I used to do the MDA fundraiser up in Kansas City, and they would have like the local TV broadcasters would be there and they would auction off like a night out with the local weatherman and it would go for, you know, like $1,500 or something where somebody's like, hey, I don't even want to go out with them. Just like get the money to MDA. Well, Well, he said the dollar figure. Well, it's not hanging out with Ferrari. Like essentially what she did, she did the Dwight Schrute moment in the office where he thought that a, a, a silent auction was outbidding everybody and he was putting like the actual price on the items and he was like getting everything. She had like nine items at the end of what the night. What was the best thing you got? 
Uh, it was actually it was really cool. This was the one that I put my name down for. <laughs> kind of tells you. Alex didn't yeah. tell this part of the yeah. story. No, it was a uh, it was a it was a framed photo of the final game at Bush Stadium 2 and it had an Albert Pujols' last bat with his autograph on it. Nice. So that was like, I think I got that for, I don't even know, it was like three or four hundred dollars, so it was like worth say. it. But so now Alex you covered half of what? Yeah. yeah. But the other half was a All mystery right. basket which was a All cat right. basket. The but, other one, I don't even remember yeah, what the other one was. Time out. Yeah, let's not completely He's blame his wife Katie. for his I'm not blaming doing. her. No, I'm not blaming nah, her. She uh, got uh, some good things out of it. I just don't. She's like, well, I fuck. Can't her. wait for you to get home, buddy. She's like, she even said afterwards. She yeah, goes, I just assumed. She's like, I just assumed we were going to get beat cat. on all of these, so I kept putting my name down all of them. And I'm like, well, we didn't get beat on all of them. People were like, nope, not not out betting this person. The last time that I went to, or the last trivia event that I went to, that was for charity. They had a silent auction as well, and there was this life-sized um, Snoop Dogg character. Like Snoop Dogg or like, like, a, like yeah. an actual Snoop character? Dogg. It was the Snoop Dogg. Like a cutout? But it was a life-size like No, the cutout, character from Charlie Brown. Huh? Wait, Charlie Brown or? Snoop Dogg. Do you know who Snoop Dogg oh, no, is? No, I said Snoop Dogg or Snoop Dogg, and he went with option one, which was the dog from Charlie Brown. <laughs> He's not called Snoop Dogg. He's called Snoopy. I'm not finishing this story. Oh, yeah, that's and right. He went, for, he went for $500. Somebody paid $500 wow. for a Snoop Dogg cutout. Yeah, I would probably do that, too. Coming up next. You're sleeping on the couch with your cat. What the heck is going on, on my with this toys. Cardinals offense? And how concerned should we be with their lack of production? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T-Bone on BK coming up in about 10 minutes or so. We'll talk to Scott Lauber. He writes about the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Want to get his thoughts on Aaron Nola and just a simple question. Why haven't the Phillies negotiated a long-term deal with him? You have this guy available to you. He's going six plus innings every night, every fifth night. Why is he not going to be a member of the long-term plan for the Phillies? We'll talk to Scott Lauber about that coming up here in just a moment. But Alex, speaking of Aaron Nola, he shut down the Cardinals offense yesterday. Zach Wheeler shut down the Cardinals offense on Saturday. They have not been alone in that regard. The Cardinals have scored two or fewer runs in eight of their last 11 games. They've scored three or fewer in nine of the last 11. They have lost all nine of those games in which they have scored three or fewer runs. If you look at the OPS for this team, the only three players that have an OPS above 725, which is not even a good OPS since August 1st, is Tyler O'Neill, Andrew Kisner, and Alec Burleson. That's it. In a best-case scenario, all three of those guys should probably be backups for you. Tyler O'Neill should probably be a fourth outfielder. Same thing is true for Burleson. Kisner's your backup catcher. Are you concerned, or what is your level of concern, Alex, with the offensive production that we've seen over the last three weeks or so? I mean, you're talking to the president of the Cardinals offense is still inconsistent fan club right now. Like, this has been my concern all along, and especially when you have all of these weapons, it looks great on paper, but consistency has been an issue here, and I don't know how to fix it, and it still makes me very skeptical moving forward. I think part of this is... 
you just have that defeated mentality, which I don't blame them for. Like when you trade away Montgomery and when you trade away Hicks and when you, when you trade away Flaherty, like, yeah, you're pretty much thrown in the white towel. And all these players expected that. So I understand that side of it. But on the flip of that, the Cardinals have used this speech, so to speak, of how do we how do we. Like, we're still in the mindset of winning right now. Like, that's what Ali Marmol has talked about in terms of certain players getting playing time and how they're going about it. Like, we have a winning mentality. We're not just going to lose. If that's where you're coming from, and this is the product from your team, I'd be a little concerned about when things go bad. Welcome to the snowball effect that we experienced with the Blues, and this team doesn't know how to get out of it. I call that more of a PR, just, yeah, here's the correct answer. This is what we're kind of giving. I, I get it, but if Ollie's saying that out there, he's not going to go into the clubhouse and be like, all right, boys, let's see what we can do today. Like, he's 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 the rah-rah guy. That's your manager. And this is the product that you're getting from that offense. They've been the worst team in Major League Baseball, or in the National League, since August 1st. I mean, they've, they've been bad, but I knew that the pitching was going to be bad down the stretch. As much as we can talk about some of the players that have been out of the lineup lately, specifically with Donovan, uh, Gorman was out for a while, but he is back now, and Lars Newbar as well. I mean, look at the lineup yesterday. If this had been the lineup, especially in the top six at any point in time during the course of the season, we would have been like, yeah, you're fine. Tommy Edmond, Alec Burleson, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker. That's a more than capable lineup, one through six. Now, you add Richie Palacios, or one through seven, and Taylor Motter as your eight nine. We had been interested though in what we had seen from Richie Palacios prior to yesterday. Mason Wynn not in the lineup yesterday. He was in the lineup the day before. I don't think this is a lineup that should be performing the way that it has been. And I understand against Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler, dude, those guys are studs. It is what it is. Today against uh, Blake Snell it is what it is. It's probably not going to go super well for you. But can you get to Lugo? Can you do something against you, Darvish? When you go up against Pittsburgh, could you guys get something going against, I don't know, Johan Oviedo? That's where it does start getting to the place where it's like, man, this is this is getting a little over what I could have possibly expected it to be in I, terms of the, the bad nature of the offense. I hate to say this, but it feels like there is some, to your point of them kind of, they know it's done, it's more dog days of summer. It, there feels like there's some complacency, and what I mean by that is, a lot of guys in this lineup know they got a job next year. A lot of guys, like the guys you said that are playing really well, Kisner, trade bait. You look at Palacios playing for a true job. Yep. You mentioned Burleson trying trade to bait. prove trade bait, but also saying trying to prove a part of what his role is. The guys that have really struggled, and like Goldie Arnado, like I think for them it's just one of those cold streaks. Goldie a little bit more concerned. And I think Arnado's hurt. That I think Goldie's hurt. Well, is hurt. hurt. We know Arnado's dealing with the back issue. But Gordon's I think there hurt. is some to the conversation of, Hey, some of these guys, they know their job secure. Like, when we talk about teams that are rebuilding, that are trying to lose, like you look at the Royals, for example, right now, a lot of those guys that are on that roster, man, they're trying to prove either, A, I belong in the big leagues, or B, I'm a part of this core moving forward for Kansas City. A lot of those guys already know their future here in St. Louis. I look a little better. I agree. I forget the, I'm not even talking about necessarily like the runs anymore. Yeah, bats. How about some competitiveness is what I'm looking for. Stop losing by seven runs a night. Yeah, I don't want to turn the game off in the fifth. Uh, I just it sucks. But that's that's the problem for me right now. Like, I, I want, and I know you're out of it. I know you're not making the playoffs. I know you traded everybody away, but there still needs to be some type of gumption in your lineup right now of like, yeah, we're not going down without a fight. And it just feels like it's a group of defeated individuals that say, well, this is a lost season. Let's just get to the finish line. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Aaron Nola was the latest pitcher to shut down the Cardinals. Is he legitimately going to hit the market this offseason? And if so, 
Why? Why didn't the Phillies extend him? We'll talk to Scott Lauber, who writes about the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Cardinals coming off of a series this weekend in Philadelphia where they get swept by the Phillies. Aaron Nola looked great yesterday. He's looked solid for much of the season, but it has been a down year given his standards and he is getting ready to hit the free agent market. And with that as the backdrop, we go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Scott Lauber. He's the Phillies writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He joins us now on BK and Ferrario. Scott, we appreciate the time, man. Wanted to have you on to get an insider's perspective on what's gone on this year with Aaron Nola. Let's start with this. What has been your perspective of his season overall? You look at some of the underlying numbers, they don't look bad, but overall the ERA is certainly bloated. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I think you guys described it pretty well in your in your intro there, that it's kind of a down year by his standards. Um, I've covered Aaron Nola every day since uh, the 2018 season, which was his best year. It was his third-place Cy Young year, and he's kind of alternated – you know, really, really good seasons with, you know, good seasons, uh, seasons that most pitchers would take, but are, are a bit down a peg from his standard for the last three or four years. It still makes him a really good pitcher. It still makes him, in my mind, a um, number two starter on a really good team, maybe a number one starter on a team that's on the rise or thinks it can contend. Uh, but Wheeler and Nola have been really a really great one-two punch for the Phillies for the last couple of years, and it has been kind of a down year for him. Now, there are a lot of reasons why, and when I say that, um, there are a lot of reasons why, and, and it's also been hard for Aaron himself to pinpoint exactly why. He's given up more home runs than he's used to. He's walked more guys than he's used to. Um, it seems like he's not getting away with as many mistakes as he has in the past when he makes them. Um, And some of that, I think, just has to do with the fact that the kind of pitcher that he is. He's not an overpowering guy. He's not going to throw, you know, a 97 or 98-mile-an-hour fastball by guys and overpower with velocity. He's got to be precise. He's got to command. For the most part, over the years, he has commanded very, very well. Uh, It's been a little – it's been probably a tick off this year, and so he's gotten hit a little bit more often. But, you know, again, I think – I think Nola's biggest strength, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, is his durability. He posts every five games. He starts 31, 32 games a year. He's made more starts and I believe pitched more innings than anyone since 2018. Him and Garrett Cole are neck and neck, and they kind of, they kind of um, keep passing one another with each time each guy starts. But uh, that's pretty good company to be in when you're in a, cl- a class with Garrett Cole. And that's where Nola's going to make, I think, his money this offseason. Um, teams that value that sort of durability, that sort of reliability, um, you can sort of set your clock by the fact that he's going to pitch every fifth day, never gets hurt. And um, even in a time when starting pitching is being devalued, I think, around the league, there's a lot of value in what Aaron Nola does. 
Well, everybody in St. Louis is really in need of valuing that this upcoming season, which is why he's been a main focal point, uh, Scott. But is the time done in Philadelphia? Because I think a lot of people would be surprised if Philadelphia is moving on from this individual. So I don't think it's done. Um, I know Nola likes it here quite a bit. Uh, The Phillies like uh, the the work that he has done for them. He is homegrown. He's a former first-round pick seventh pick in the country in 2014, uh, came through their system, and he's their best homegrown pitcher since Cole Hamels um, at a minimum. Um, And so, um, you know, he's putting up numbers that put him in kind of rarefied air in terms of Philly's pitching grades over over time. Um, The fact that they couldn't get this thing done in spring training, they couldn't get an extension done, you know, that certainly diminishes their, their chances of keeping him for no reason other than that now they're going to have to bid against everybody else and not just um, and not just talk to him themselves. So that's going to decrease uh, their odds. But one thing that they point to when they talk about NOLA is what happened a few years ago with JT Real Muto. Um, they talked an extension with him, couldn't get it done. He went to free agency. He wound up re-signing. And, um, you know, I think if they feel motivated to get it done, uh, and he wants to stay, it could be a similar situation. Would not be unheard of, obviously, if a guy went to free agency and wound up signing back with his own team, especially one that drafted and developed him. Um, but that said, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams out there, the Cardinals, the Mets, um, I think are going to be two of the, uh, of, of the top ones that want to win next year and need pitching uh, because of all the pitching they traded at the deadline in both cases. Uh, and so Nola's going to look awfully good to some of those teams. So, you know, I think it's going to be competitive. I think the Phillies will be in the mix. And, um, you know, I don't give them a 0% chance, but certainly I give them a bit of a decreased chance. It wouldn't surprise me either to see him come back. I just think it gets a lot harder once he gets the open market. Scott Lauber is our guest here on 101 ESPN. He covers the Philadelphia Phillies for the Philly Inquirer. I I did want to ask you – when you think about Nola conceptually, Scott, and if he were to go to a new team, how do you think he should fit into a rotation? Like, do you view him as a number one, a number two? I know some of these terms can become quite antiquated, but when you think about what Nola should be on a contending level team, where do you think he should slot in? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's any worse than a number two. Um, you know, I look at what the Phillies have done and. Look, Cardinals saw it up close last year in October, and they saw, it again us, please, this weekend. they saw it again this weekend, right, with Wheeler on Saturday and Nola on Sunday. The Phillies believe, and I think last year they kind of proved that they're correct in their thinking, that um, if you can line up Wheeler and Nola, um, it's a difficult one-two punch in a short series. And he's every bit, um, Nola is every bit, fills that, fills that role every bit as, as much as anybody. So, you know, I think he's... Um, Certainly a number two. I think he can be a number one, but I think he's probably um, he's probably best in kind of a one-two pairing with a guy like Zach Wheeler, who's a little bit different than he is. Wheeler throws a little harder. Wheeler does some things a little bit differently than Nola does, and I think that they complement each other very well. So I think he's a top of the rotation guy in the sense that you know he is a a number two at worst, um, and you don't have to stretch that far to. Uh, to, to put him in your rotation as your number one. When you think about what Aaron Nola is likely to command this offseason, 
Are we talking 30 million? Are we talking more than that on an AAV basis? How much do you think Aaron Nola is likely to get? Oh, it's a great question, and I'm fascinated by it. I've written a lot about it. I wrote a little bit about it in the offseason when they were talking about, you know, uh, going down the extension road, and I re- re- revisited it recently. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's a $30 million a year guy because those guys are, you know, usually have a Cy Young attached to their name or, um, you know, have a little bit more of a, um, of a surefire number one than Nola is. I do wonder whether the Carlos Rodon contract last year kind of pushed everything up because, you know, to me there are certain there, – there are classes, right? There's your $30 million per year class, uh, and now, I mean, with where Verlander and Scherzer took their deals on a short-term basis, they're, they put, they, they're in the $43 million range. So you've got the 30 and up class, and then you've got kind of the 22-ish to 20 to 30-ish class where – you know, a guy like Kevin Gosman from the uh, from the Blue Jays, who was Nola's college classmate at LSU, he's got you know he signed a deal two years ago, uh, five years one one uh, one ten uh, twenty two a year, um, and so you know there's that like twenty two ish to thirty ish class, and then I think that there's the class below that where like um, Taiwan Walker fit in this past year at eighteen per. And uh, Jameson Tyone, I think Nola's above that class, but I think he's probably in that 22 to 30 class. That's a pretty broad group. So does he gravitate more toward Rodon, who I think was 27 a year with the Yankees? Is he closer to Gosman at 22 a year? It's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that. And there are a few guys, I think, who are in that grouping this year coming up. Blake Snell, Julio Urias. Um, you know, it's a pretty good free agent pitching class. After, you know, well, I was going to say after Shohei Otani, but it doesn't look like he'll be on the market as a pitcher anymore, at least for next year. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I honestly like maybe the Otani injury helps those guys even more because uh, they float closer to the number. You know, I don't know how you how you rank them, but certainly Nola, Urias, Snell, Jordan Montgomery, probably a notch below those guys, but he's in that grouping. So. Um, there's a there's a pitcher in Japan who's very highly thought of Yamamoto. So I mean, there's going to be some competition for really good starting pitching, and I, I think that any of them could fit into that sort of 22 to 25 or 25 to 27 million dollar per year range. Scott, we'll get you out of here on this. How do Phillies fans view Aaron Nola? What's his legacy there if this is the final season of him in Philly? That's a great question. Um, so my my view of how Phillies fans view him <laughs> sure. is I, I honestly think that he's underappreciated in some aspects here. Um, I don't think he feels that way. It's just my perception of of it, uh, and I don't know why. I mean, normally, so I've worked in Philadelphia. I worked in Boston. I'm back in Philadelphia. It's my second stint here. And normally, most places I go, uh, most teams that I'm around, most cities that I go to, the homegrown guys kind of get a little bit more of a, I don't want to say a pass, but maybe more preferential treatment because, hey, they're one of us, right? We drafted them. We grew them. You know, so, you know, maybe those guys can struggle a bit more and get a little bit of a pass, whereas the guy who comes in via free agency, you know, um, the expectations are a little higher and there's a little bit less of that sort of tolerance for struggle here. It seems like it's always been the opposite to me, whether it's Nola or Reese Hoskins. Um, 
And I don't know whether it was because those guys have been here long enough that they were here at the beginning of their careers during some lean times in Philadelphia. And so it took them a while, as it took the franchise a while, to get over the hump last year, make the playoffs finally after 10 years out of it and and get to the World Series. But, you know, it always has seemed to me in the time I've been back here since 2018 that, you know, there's a little bit less patience sometimes for, for those guys. And I've never really understood that. As I said, he's... He's sort of in, in rarefied air in terms of um, where he stands in in uh, a lot of the pitching categories in franchise history. He is a, I believe now, six-time uh, opening day starter for them. There's a certain um, there's a certain gravitas I think that kind of comes with that, or that should come with that. So I don't know. I think that um, some sometimes the up and down can wear on fans a little bit here. He's to me way more up than down. Um, I think he's a really good pitcher, as I said, and you know, I, I it would not surprise me at all if he winds up staying here because, like I said, I know he he enjoys it here. Um, you know, I talked to him quite a bit last year, down the stretch, right around this time of year when playoffs were getting closer and it was starting to look like they were going to finally get over that hump and break that ten years out. And he was talking about how much he was looking forward to that atmosphere because. You know, he said, and Reese Hoskins said, you know, they've heard all the stories about 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, when the Phillies were um, in the playoffs every year and won a World Series and won two pennants and five division titles and, and how the city really gets behind the Phillies when the Phillies are good, but they hadn't seen that yet. And then I remember talking to him after the World Series was over last year, and he said, man, um, everything they said was true. You know, like, it's a really awesome place to be when the team is good and and, and the place is rocking in October and things like that. So I think that's still all very fresh in his mind. I think he's going to get another taste of it this this October. I don't know how far they'll go, but he's going to get another taste of that. So that'll be kind of um, something that's that's going to be with him once he hits free agency. So it wouldn't surprise me, but, I, I you know, like I said, now he's going to be out there. He's going to get to test his value. He's going to get to see how he's valued. Not just, you know, not so much by, you know, fans or anything, but by other front offices and by other teams, he's going to get to see how he's valued, whether it's higher, lower, same. Um, and, and I think that's going to kind of be an experience that, you know, some guys like that experience. Some guys don't. I'm not sure how he's going to feel about it once he gets there. Um, but, you know, I do think he'll have his eyes open and, and see what else is out there and, and kind of weigh it against what he's known and, and always known and, and see where he fits. Scott, I will definitely be curious to see how the next month or two goes for Aaron Nola in Philadelphia. We will be curiously watching as to how it uh, affects the Cardinals' pursuit of Aaron Nola this offseason. Thanks so much for the time, man. feel like we got a better insight into uh, what Aaron Nola's season has been, what his career has been like up in Philadelphia. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon as we get closer to the official beginning of his free agency sweepstakes. Definitely. Sure thing, guys. Anytime. You got it. That's Scott Lauber. You can find his work over at the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Lauber. L-A-U-B-E-R is how you spell his last name on Twitter. Alex, I, as I was listening to him and what he was talking about with Aaron Nola, it came to mind for me of like, and this guy sounds kind of Wayno-ish. And I don't know that he's had the ceilings of what Adam Wainwright was. Like, early in Wayno's career, I think it almost gets underestimated how freaking good that guy was. But there have been times now at the back end of his career where he he just finds a way. The dude goes out there every fifth day, and he's going to post. 
And the same thing is true of Aaron Nola. Like you look at his starts by season, man, since 2018, 33, 34. I'm going to skip 2020, although he did make all 12 starts that were possible for him that year. 32, 32. And this year he's on pace for another 32 starts. It's like clockwork. The guy just goes out there and he is honestly, in a lot of ways, the Nolan Arenado of pitching. You kind of know what you're going to get. He's going to give you 32 starts. He's going to throw 180 to 200 innings. And you kind of see where the results take you from there. Is it always perfect? No, but he does have a top three Cy Young finish in there. He has two others that were top 10 in terms of the Cy Young finishes. And I, for me, I do value that. If you can come in and be a really solid, strong number two starter, and I can build my rotation around you, I I can work with that, man. It's the guys that are going to miss 20 out of the 30 starts a year, but maybe I'm going to have them in October. They're fun. They're exciting when they're not on my team. Yeah, well, and it also... It's better than the other option of you trying to find the upside of a guy with a number one that never pans out to be it. Like, you know, you sign somebody and say, well, this guy can be our number one and he never gets there. You're signing somebody who at best is a number one and at worst is a number two. So, you know, you're in good position the next couple of years. And I said this about a month ago with you, and I know it's not the sole reason that you should be signing somebody. But it's going to be this, one of the sole reasons the Cardinals sign them because there's leadership qualities. And what do the Cardinals value? Somebody who leads a clubhouse. And what do they not have? Somebody who is that guy on the pitching side. By the way, I don't think Nola's going to get as much as people are anticipating. I'm not telling you you're getting him on the cheap. I think he's going to cost you more than $25 million a year. But right. when you look at the guys that have made 30-plus, it, it is like this guy was the best pitcher in baseball. At some point when he earned that Max Scherzer, three years at 43 a year. Well, yeah, it's Max Scherzer. He's not in the same class as Aaron Nola. And I love Aaron Nola. Justin Verlander, same thing. Jacob deGrom, who is arguably the in terms of stuff, the best stuff that we've got available to us in Major League Baseball right now. Garrett Cole, the same thing could be argued for him. He's got all the Nola stuff of being available every fifth day while also being like a Cy Young contender every single season. Strasburg, we know the story there. Shohei had a one-year $30 million deal. Nobody's going to compare anybody to Shohei. And then it's Chris Sale at 29 mil per year. Carlos Rodon at 27. And then it drops all the way down to Marcus Stroman at 23 and a half. I think somewhere around 25 to $28 million on an AAV is probably what you're looking at for Aaron Nola. I don't think he's in that same category, and I don't think anybody can even make the case that he's in the category with Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom, Cole, Strasburg, Sale. I don't think he's any of those pitchers. So maybe the market has just shifted on me and I'll be proven wrong, but I think that's kind of the dollars dollar figures that we're going to be talking yeah. about for Nola. And that's what we anticipated you going out and spending for that top-of-the-rotation guy and then the next year down, you're talking about somewhere between 15 and $18 million. That's how you're going to solidify this rotation this offseason. I think Snell's more likely to get the big money than Nola because of the strikeouts. Well, because of how solid of a season. And he's one that I would be worried you're paying for what he just did rather than what he's going well, to do for your team. And he's done. He's won a Cy Young, yep. too. Yep. He's probably I think win Snell a fits more into the category of the guys that I just mentioned. Yep. Whereas I think Nola's in that like Stroman plus category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's he may not worried. get as long a deal because of the concerns that we've mentioned of if he loses his stuff, what happens? Like, yeah. I think he could get a five maybe year 33. Snell get, maybe Snell gets like a three year, $35 million per year deal. I could like, I might even be in favor of the Cardinals doing a deal like that, Yeah, but I could see something like that happening. Coming up next NFL quick hitters here on one hundred and one ESPN. 
We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. All right, let's dive into some NFL quick hitters. Guys, let's start with this. There was a big trade over the weekend, not in terms of like the actual ramifications, but a guy that was previously traded for multiple first round picks is now gone from his previous team. Talking about Trey Lance. He's been traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth round pick. The 49ers decide to give up on the former top three overall selection. Alex, what do you think about this trade? You can take it from either the Cowboys or the 49ers perspective. What do you think? Uh, good for Trey Lance to get traded. And I think this is a good move for the Dallas Cowboys in case of some type of injury for Dak Prescott. You have somebody who has a high upside to be your backup quarterback rather than what they had last year. So it's a smart move by them. And it's good for Trey Lance because it just wasn't going to happen in San Francisco. I'm a little surprised San Francisco did this for how much they hyped up Trey Lance over two consecutive years. And then you had Brock Purdy storm onto the scene last year. And then you thought, okay, we're going to go into this year and Trey Lance and Birdie or Purdy can battle it out. And then all of a sudden it's now we'd rather have Sam Darnold. Like I'm a little skeptical of what San Francisco did, but I think it's a good move for both Trey Lance and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I, I don't really have much of a big takeaway on it, but if you can't work in San Francisco's friendly offense, you're not going to work in Dallas. Especially so, with Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I, I think Dallas gave up too much for Trey Lance. And I get it. They didn't give up a whole lot. They only gave up one pick. But I'm would i I'm shocked a team like Arizona didn't take a flyer on this. A team yeah. that's going to be bad. You don't really have a quarterback. Go out and acquire him. Hell, Washington in the same boat. I was a little surprised that the Cowboys decided Whoa. to go in and make this trip. By the way, you taking a shot at Cooper Rush? Unbelievable. Washington's got a good quarterback, man. Sam Howell. He was awesome in college. Did you see him throw touchdowns? Yeah, I'm not telling you that you should like him, but I'm telling you that when we've got a 14-team fantasy league and you've got to take somebody. <laughs> you will like him. Somebody, like him. somebody will draft Sam I, Howell tonight. I, I promise you. I don't have to if you would just kick two people out of the league. Uh, I thought I'm it was kidding. a good deal by the Cowboys. I think this is smart. I have no idea if Trey Lance is going to be good. The odds are definitely against him being a good player for the Cowboys, but he might be. He's super talented. That's why he went top three in the draft. So I get it from the 49ers perspective. Just wash your hands of it. Be done. Don't have to ask any more questions about it. Trey Lance is no longer a part of this for the Cowboys. Like, Hey, we're taking a flyer on a guy that maybe two years from now, maybe we trade him somewhere because he ended up developing and showing something in the preseason. Yeah, all so, you need is four weeks of Dak being out exactly. to let Lance go off. And then you trade him in the off season to get that pick or better back hundred percent. So it was worth it for their, from their perspective. Um, ultimately though, I think the the likelihood is he just ends up being a bust and it ends up being one of the worst top three selections that we've seen in the NFL draft guys question that I've got for you. Who is the most likely team to be this year's version of the Lions? And by that, I mean a team that comes in and is super surprising and fun to watch every Sunday with a great offense. Not necessarily saying they win 12 games, but fun team, throws the ball around, puts up a bunch of points. Who is the team that is most likely to be this year's version of last year's Detroit Lions? It's Chicago. To me, it's Chicago. I, I think the Justin Fields, DJ Moore dynamic is going to be better than what most people are anticipating and then depending on what the running game looks like i think they got a decent offensive line i think they're a team that can put on a show offensively they have chase claypool still correct he had a bad showing but maybe he's better this this time around okay well thank you very much i won't draft him with my fantasy team although i was a 14 team so probably gonna have to i think it's chicago 
Yeah, I'm with Alex. I, I've been on the Bears for the last, like, two weeks. I love the offense. I've been banking on Justin Fields having a big year. Almost drafted him last night in the best ball uh, league that I was doing. So I, I think it is the Bears. I don't know if there's really another team. I think there are some teams that could have great offensive qualities. But, like, Jacksonville, they're not going to be a team that's going to fall How in this category. How would you feel about the Saints? Could they fit in? I, like, if they did they this, would. would they fit into the criteria that we're talking would, about? But I just have no faith in A, yeah. Carr, and B, their Thomas. weapons staying healthy. It's fair. I, if I was going to pick another team, like I think the Colts could be interesting, depending on how well Anthony Richardson fits into that. Them, dude, this whole thing with Taylor just makes yeah. me nervous. And then them. the Panthers. I, I still think people are not giving the Panthers enough credit, depending on how Bryce Young looks, because they have weapons. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we are t- putting together our draft order for the 2023. 101 ESPN Fantasy League. It's got there 14 are going guys. To be 14 teams in this league. Unbelievable. And you get to hear the order selected next here on 101 next. ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan. Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. All right, it's time for not NFL quick hitters, but our 101 ESPN Fantasy League, which has... I think gained 12 new members since the start yeah. of the day. Have you yeah. heard this story, yeah, Jamie? No, I have not. Jamie, BK like is like NFL. freaking 7-Eleven. Everybody here? can come in. <laughs> so He's open all the time. Yeah, he's open 24-7. I played with a couple of guys that thought they were 7-Eleven. They're always open. <laughs> no, you're not. We have a 12-team league, right? That's your typical fantasy league here at 101 ESPN. I sent a text message about a month ago. Hey, anybody that wants to play, you guys let me know. I'll make sure that you're ready to go. I can confirm. I, I then doubled message. back with a lot of people, you included, Jamie, who yep. didn't text back the first time and said, hey, you guys interested? Just wanted to circle back, make sure that I didn't miss anybody. You said no. BT yep. said no. Stoltz says yes. Responded immediately. Didn't hear from others mm. that I circled back with. So Jackson, we get into the studio today. He's like, hey, am I in the fantasy league? No, man, he didn't respond. He said, oh, well, I'm available tonight if you guys need another member. I said, well, we can, we can do that, but we need to find another one. And then J- while we're talking about Jackson on air, yeah. Rockio texts me. Said, hey, I didn't realize I wasn't in the league. Well, yeah, man, you have to respond to the text message to okay. be a part of the league. But you know what he does, Jamie? He says, I let him in. let's let him in. Yeah, That's an enabler. Well, wait, there's got to be some kind of a, a penalty, though. Like there's, gonna, like there's always late fees on everything. Like if you don't register in time, you can still register, but there's a late yeah. fee. I'm giving or- him a one-time reprieve. If this happens again next year, they're out. Jamie, tell You're me he's soft. an enabler. I know I am. Tell You're me he's soft. an enabler. You think I don't know that, Jamie? Yeah, the message, me. What's More the message classes. moving forward, though, BK? Next year, people will be joining in like right now. Be like, oh, by the way, yeah. I'm in. Because yeah. you they're, didn't they're set out. This is it. This is the last time. If this somebody doesn't time. respond in 26 you know days. I've heard that from people. Yeah. This oh. year, this is the last time. If somebody doesn't respond in 26 days just to say two letters, what makes you think they're going to pay you right away? We don't away? have time for this, boys. I don't want to get the fast lane to their show late. This is the day that ends in Y. I don't do that. So, <laughs> that <laughs> is very true. We have 14 names right. that you're going to pick out of this hat because we've got 14 teams my in this league. Here. Am I on the camera, you're T-Bone? Good. Yep. This right, will Jamie. determine our fantasy draft. We're going 1 through 14. The first right. name that you pick out gets the number one pick in this year's fantasy draft. All right. It might be rigged. If it's Rocky Oh, my gosh. It's BK. Oh, my God. It's BK. <laughs> BK. Unbelievable. How many BKs are in there, Jamie? There are BKs. Baby. All right, keep going here. Yes, sir. Keep going. Name number two. 
Tebow. I'm freaking believable. All right, this has to be me, right, Jamie? I promise you, I did mix those up. This has to be me. All right, we got a new one off the board. Not a 101 guy. Donnie Fandango. All right, Josh Allen's going third overall. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We know that. All right, next name out of the bag. Oh, this is controversial. Oh, here it is. It's Jackson. It's Sir Piddles. Jackson. See, this is ridiculous. A fourth overall pick. Alex is going to be furious. I am is 100% picking 14th. All right. Oh, this is going to be bad, too. And then here's Rocky. No, not quite that bad. Tim McKernan. Oh, Oh, Uh, That's bad for everybody. (laughs) He's going to take a kicker. Maybe he'll take a kicker. Yeah, Justin Tucker will go fifth overall. All right. This one here, guys. Can't be mad about this one. Number six overall. Brooke. Uh, Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. Alex is totally picking 14th. Brooke is taking Ryan Tannehill at number six. I keep keep shuffling this up, Alex. My name's probably not in there, man. But uh, That's fine. I have to wait. Oh, God. My guy, Anthony Stalter. Oh, well, we know where Bijan's going. Number seven. (laughs) Desmond Ritter, second round Desmond Ritter's going there. Oh, he's going to take Bijan first. Come on, Jamie. Controversial one again. Come on, Jamie. Matt Rocchio. Freaking believable. (laughs) Wreck-It Ralph. Is this a snake draft, though? It is. So, Alex, you almost hope to be, like, you know what I'm saying? At this point, you want 14. Yeah, I was going to say, go back-to-back quarterbacks. That's the best thing for you, Alex. Mahomes and Burroughs. All right, this one here. Dude, he's, it's just one burrow. <laughs> I've been doing it. For, I've been doing it since it's ribs and BK. You always we, put an we, S. We think there's only one. You never know. Yeah, it's true. Maybe he has a brother. Carrie <laughs> Davis. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carrie's picking ninth overall. Okay. We have not seen Alex Ferrario oh. yet on this list. This or Randy Carricker on this list. It's not Randy Carricker. Okay. Let's go, Jamie. Pick me 14. Travis, Alex, got Grant, two others. Grant. And one of them I don't know. You let of. so many people in. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Carry, right? Oldie, but a good. Carry already went. Blast from the past. Travis. Travis. Okay, this is looking great for me. Uh, Your name's not in that bag. <laughs> it's not in here, is it? I was the one that kicked out of the league. Don't, Jamie. Who we got? Fake Breathe it. Breathe easy, Alex. Oh, oh, no, that's the worst case scenario. Are you kidding me? So Alex got, got the 12th pick, which would have been mm. the last pick getting the back to back in a normal so league. I am so pissed off right but now. We let Jackson and we got yeah. I would have suspended them for the first round. I would have. That's what I said. But nope, BK's just a, he's a lover. extra pick at the back end of the draft. Marsh and Grant are the two final selections in this year's fantasy. All league. right. Here we go. Next pick. Marshall. 13th. Andrew Marsh. All right. Grant gets the 14th 14, pick. I should be Grant. freaking picking last. I'm Grant picking Grant. first. T-Bone's got the second Jamie. pick. Ugh. Alex Ferrario's picking 12th. The bag did not Stolter's do Stolter's got well. the 7th. Marshy's got 13th. <laughs> if you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is all presented by Dobbs Hire and Auto Centers. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 11 a.m. here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.